Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 263rd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. Find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. I am on Threads as well at Hawk Blogger, although I think I've made two posts on there. And I guess Dana, I can't even say I'm on Twitter anymore. I'm on X. No, it still says Twitter.com. So I refuse to change until okay. until until we're forced. I, I, I don't know. Change. Like I, I am very perplexed by that. As, yeah. as someone who works in tech as well, the product side of I'm already troubled by the fact that Facebook changed to Meta, which I thought was an absolutely stupid bet in the first place. I'm not a big Metaverse guy. But anyway, I still call them Facebook. I'm going to probably forever call it Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I will ever call them Zeets instead of Twitter. Well, now he's being sued for copyright infringement, so he might no. have to change it back. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, you can tell how closely I've been following this. Um We've got a fun show tonight. This has been a show that's been long in the making, and it's potentially going to get more fun if we can find a way to get intoxicated Evan Hill to join from his road trip, wherever he is. Because um, Jeff, at Real Jeff Simmons, Dana O'Gorman, at Dana OG, um, we talked about this literally last week. We're like, you know who would be fun to have on the show? There's a guy that we think would be fun to have on the show. I'm not going to name him yet. I'm going to introduce him in a second. We're going to bring him on. And reached out. We're like, hey, dude, let's see if we can make this happen. He graciously agreed to do so. And this is someone from Beyond Enemy Lines. So folks that have been following us on X uh, know know who the name is. But I'm going to tell you a little bit of information about this person. Um, this is from a lot of research I did at what I think is a very reputable website. Um, this tells me that uh, he was born in 1988 in Oakland, California. He is he's 34 years old. Zodiac sign is Capricorn. Uh, he it, it tells me that he was born in the United States and holds the nationality of American. Okay, so this is important for people to know. Uh, He was enrolled in the Montero School and graduated from University of California, Los Angeles, with reportedly a Bachelor of Arts in English. He has a mother and father whose names are Mr. Cohen and Mrs. Cohen, according to this website. 
and most importantly, potentially, this says he is five foot seven and weighs 132 pounds and wears a size eight shoe. So if you haven't figured out who this is by now, this is Grant Cohen. Uh, how much of that did we get right, Grant? Most of it, but I'm 6'1", 172 pounds. That's, that's not fair at all. Hold I on when you set the record straight. I loved this idea of you being 5'7". Like, was there a point in your life where you were 5'7 and 132 pounds? In seventh grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for people that don't know the real, real. How do they uh, know my parents' names, though? That was scary. That was a little spooky, right? Like, have you yeah. checked security cams? There might be people spying on you if they know that kind of detail. You know, it's funny. I met up with a friend of mine in New York like a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, I read this really weird article about you. They knew everything about you, but some things were wrong. It's that one. Yeah. Who wrote that? Was it like AI or something? Probably. <laughs> it, it may be. I will send you the link. Um, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, I looked. I looked at your background, like starting as a blogger on the Cone Zone, and then you were on CSNBayArea.com. You worked at the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Honestly, like that was all like worth knowing, but that wasn't nearly as fun as as Mr. and Mrs. Cohen and you being 5'7", 132. So went with that instead. Um, Oddly specific, not 133. No, I know, right? I, I think my like left... Uh, leg is maybe 132 at this point, but uh, we'll we'll decide about that. I like how you tried to build suspense. Like the title of the show isn't called Special Crossover Guest Grant Cone. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's so, kind of like Oppenheimer trying to make you be like, "How is World War II gonna end?" You know, no. Our listeners aren't always the brightest, and they don't always pay <laughs> attention to the details. Ryan, um, <laughs> our patrons though, our patrons are like among the smartest. <laughs> there you go. So, so for folks that haven't already, if you haven't already liked the show, please click like, click subscribe. This is the kind of content you get, and obviously go to Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger, sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel where we talk all the time, and we will continue that conversation going forward. So. Grant, we've got a lot to cover with you. Um, and, and the first I know question... why you brought me on the show. First of all, can I just cut you off and say I know yeah, why yeah, you brought please. me on the show? Because you think I'm going to talk crap about the Niners and you want it. You like it. You want it. You want it. You no. like it. Don't you? No. See, this is this is a good question. On, no, no, no. What 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 we noticed about you, Grant, is that mm -hmm. you remind us of one of our own. Okay. Um, Evan Hill, okay. as, who we mentioned earlier. He who trolls... we, I know. He trolls the the Seahawks fans and the 49ers fans um, pretty I regularly. It. I respect it. Someone's got to do it. And you seem to walk a line with 49ers fans where there's a lot of love and a lot of hate. And so we're like, we got to bring Grant on and talk the real real. And that's okay. that's really why you're here. I appreciate it. Thank you. So – the first thing I got to ask, because I also read something about you, is that I think this was from you. Okay. Are you a 49ers fan? No. I grew no. up one. But my dad's a sports writer. And he always like, if you ever get in the business, you can't be a fan. And then when you do get in the business and you're in the locker room and you see how much those players really don't like you, it's like, oh, I'm not rooting for you. Like, you ain't rooting for me. So, no. No. That's what not I thought. So, no. so, you don't consider yourself a fan. No. Um, There are... There's another 49er uh, press member who sure seems like a fan. I don't know if you found that certain certain members of the media are more fans and, than others. 
none of them are supposed to be fans. Like if you're if you're credentialed, you're supposed to be, you know, a journalist. And yeah. you're supposed to be speaking truth to power and not just accepting all their narratives and actually questioning them. Um, but most fans don't want that. So I think a lot of journalists just try to give fans what they want. So why do you do what you do? Like you could do a bunch of different things. Like, how did you end up doing this? Well, my dad did it and I love my, my dad's like my best friend and we get along so well. And I always loved the process and the lifestyle. And when I was like 20, I felt like he was kind of winding down at 60 and like the internet was popping up and I was like, dad, we could, we could make this an empire, man, like me and you. And I really felt I could do what he did. And I tried, I tried to sell articles to sports illustrated. I did sell one, but like, I was, I mean, no one reads anymore. So like, it was just a fruitless endeavor. And it took like a literal global pandemic to figure out like, Hey, there's this thing called StreamYard, and maybe people would rather watch. And ever since I put those things together, like my life, you know, I have a house and a car and before I had freaking nothing. I was working for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat and they were like friend zoning me. They were like, yeah, we'll give you a thousand dollars a month and you can cover the team, but that's it. And I was like, thanks until I was like 32. So it was rough. I didn't think it was going to work out, but I just wanted to do what my dad did. And now I'm like, my dad's like, how are you making all this money? I never made any money. He's like, yeah, because you worked for a newspaper. You needed YouTube, dad. So that's how it happened. What was the big, what was the big, so you said the pandemic was a turning point, but like what took off for you? Was it Twitter? Was it your podcast? Was what, what kind of, I think I'm a jerk in print. Like I think I I come across as like a jerk. And I think when I do my thing on camera, people can see me smiling or something. And they're like, okay, I like him a little bit more. I, I think they just hate me when I write. And I think, I was covering the team for like 10 years and I was slamming the Niners all the time and I didn't take off at all. I I think they needed to like, I think I need to be on video, I guess, I guess. How did, how does, you know, not everybody seems to like you on video. I, I, I seen the, the Javon Kinlaw video, which I'm sure everyone asks you about. Well, first of all, fill people in that don't know that story a little bit. And, and, okay, okay, okay. and, and, and then like, how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was cool. Um, so the Niners had Buck- DeForest Buckner. They traded him like during the pandemic. They traded him for the pick that became Javon Kinlaw, which was never fair to him. And I was always against that. It was like, how do you trade your best player for someone with a knee problem who's like... So I was pretty much bagging on that pick for years. And it was during the pandemic, so we were in the locker room. I never met him. So like last year, first day of OTAs, like <laughs> he walked over to me. And it was the first time I've ever been face-to-face with him. And he like... I thought he was joking around and he like smacked the hat off my head. And I was like, Oh, he's not joking around. And it escalated all day. Yo, should I keep going? Anyway, he came on my show at night and we got in this whole like fight and stuff. And the next day, John Lynch called us into his office. Like he's Barack Obama. Like, why don't we just settle it over beers? Although we weren't, but like we had to like talk it out. And then ever since then we're cool. But I mean, it was so bad. I was closing on a house and my freaking more like the guy who was working on it, like called me. He's like, Hey, I just heard about you on the radio. Are we good? I was like, man, what the fuck you mean? Are we good? Like, yeah, we're good. You think I'm going to get fired? Is that what you're asking? You want to know if I'm going to get fired? So it was kind of scary. Well, I but actually, that. I think Javon's a good guy. I like Javon Kinlaw. We had to, I just didn't know him. We had to get to know each other. 
Dana was literally eating popcorn while you were telling that story. So that's that's always a good sign. Um, I will welcome to the show uh, Evan Hill, who who only drinks apparently socially once a week now, is, is what I've been told. Socially and on work trips. Okay, work trips <laughs> and, and heavily. And where heavily. are you? I'm in Salt Lake City right now, man. Yeah. Oh, that's where the fun is. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm here. Let's for the go, Grant. I'm not. Grant, Salt Lake City is kind of boring. I'm gonna be honest. That was the joke. That was the joke. Okay, that was the joke. I was yeah, like, that was the joke. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. there's no way you're serious that Salt Lake City is fun because this place is very mid. It's very no, good, Evan. Salt Lake City's boring. I'm impressed that you managed to get alcohol there. It's not an easy thing to get more than a drink there. Yeah, corporate stuff. It's private catering. It's all good. So, <laughs> um, so I gotta ask one more question. Then I'm gonna open up uh, for for other folks here what's what i've seen you posting and kind of shit posting about the 49er quarterback situation quite a bit wouldn't you wouldn't you i honestly so here's the deal honest truth i think brock purdy is really good and and i'm pretty much like fuck the 49ers just got their franchise qb at the last pick in the draft after totally screwing the pooch on trading for the first pick and 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 i think you and i think that's what a lot of 49ers fans think as well i think you think something totally different well he did get seriously injured i'm curious to see what he looks like post ucl surgery but if he were on the seahawks would he start over gino over gino would he start no chance no 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 so, like, how good is he really? Is he, like, the 25th best quarterback in the league? Like, great, sweet. That's dope. You got that dude with the last pick in the draft? Respect. But, like, I don't know. That's what you think. I don't you know. Think he's 25th. So wait, Ish. Wait, do you think Trey Lance has a fair shot? At starting no. I don't. I think he, I think he, they should let him go and let him go to the, a coach like Pete Carroll. I think Pete would be perfect for him. He needs a guy who believes in him, straight up. And I don't know that Kyle does. Like, Kyle brought him on the team. When they traded up for him, it was like, oh, this is a very confident move. This is going to work. Kyle's an offensive coach and he believes in Trey. But ever since that move, like he's just been real lukewarm about it. He, Trey just needs someone who's like Jim Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, Andy Reid. Someone who's like, I believe in you and I'm me and I have a track record. He'd be perfect for the Seahawks. But just to be clear, you're advocating yeah. that yes. Trey Lance yes. be a Seattle Seahawk. Hell yeah. I don't root for the 49ers. I root for their demise. I'm da <laughs> They're a damn shame. Wait, they, wait. They, they get wet like they are the premier franchise on the west coast the seahawks should be frankly the seahawks since 2012 have been the premier franchise on the west coast but the niners get all the press because of stuff they did in the 80s and 90s am i wrong you're well, not wrong. you're wrong about the fact they've been the pre the seahawks have been the premium franchise on the west coast since like 2000 since they entered yeah the yeah, yeah yeah you're right you're right because the, the niners MFC, have been they... freaking dismal yeah you're right you're right you're right but so I, I, that, I mean, like, where's where's the media for you guys? Like, how come Geno Smith isn't getting hyped up? If Geno Smith were on the 49ers, do you know what people would they'd be like Dak Prescott? You think the Niners so? are the Cowboys, essentially. Do you think I'm just getting Dana, Jeff? Do you agree with that? Like, I I, I don't think Geno, I think everyone's skeptical about Geno because of the years before, not because he's in Seattle. Yeah, but like if he were on the Niners or the Cowboys, everyone would be like, oh, franchise quarterback. On the Seahawks, they're like, I don't know. Because ah, they don't watch you guys. 
No. That, when are you that, guys on national television? That's true, but like, so so if you were if you were just being objective here as much as you ever are, do you think that Trey Lance should be the starting quarterback for the for or who do you think the starting quarterback should be for the 49ers? That's a good question. I mean, I guess Brock earned it to a degree with what he did last year, but then he hurt himself. And like it feels like they're rushing him back. Did you hear what happened today? John no. and Kyle spoke and they're like, Brock's fully cleared. He's back. He's gonna, he's gonna be playing, you know, two out of every three days in camp. Like he just had the surgery four months ago. It seems a little aggressive. Um, it seems like the the prudent move would be to put him on pup, take your time and let Trey start and go from there. But I don't I don't think they're committed to Brock either. I think they want to force Brock on the field, see what he has. If he flops, they're gonna sign Kirk Cousins next year. Watch that. Watch that happen. You think you think the powers that be can keep Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins away from each other? They were they're 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 destined to work together again. It's that gonna would happen. be crazy to me if they traded all this for Trey Lance, then they get Brock Purdy who blows up, then they bring in Sam Bradford or not? Yeah, right. No, Darnold. Darnold thank you. I was like, can I we call him Sam Bradford just because? Like, yeah, holy know. shit, that's not wrong. I, it and doesn't then, matter. And then they'd bring in Kirk Cousins after that. I mean, he's and not- Niner fans eat it up. They're like, wow, this is 4D chess right here. Niner oh, fans yeah. just eat it up, man. That, like, what's crazy is this is a team with five Super Bowl championships, and they're just all invested in Kyle Sandahan's legacy now. Like, who cares about his freaking legacy? That guy has nothing but loser written all over him. Sorry, Kyle, but like, you've been, you've had double digit leads in two Super Bowls in the second half. And lost both of them. That's okay. your legacy. And Niner fans are out here being like, man, this dude is the next Belichick, man. Just wait. It's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm going to step back. I'm going to give you and Evan. I want you and Evan to talk about who has the best coach. Oh, you you don't like Pete Carroll. Fair enough. Okay, okay. You could go. You could go. Because Pete Carroll has his major drawbacks. His offensive coordinators perennially suck. Always. Oh, that offense you got in Seattle is just vanilla. Always. Mm-hmm. But at least it at least you don't have a bunch of turnovers. You gotta give him that. Kyle Evan, is who, a turnover machine. Who's the best? Sorry, Evan, you go. West. You go. You go, Evan. I think it's Sean McVay, man. What's the ranking then? Give me the ranking. I, I, I think it goes Sean McVay, Sean McDaddy, number one. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, number two, Pete Carroll, and then whoever the fuck the Cardinals just hired. <laughs> what is your ranking, Grant? Um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go motherfucking. Pete, sorry, I shouldn't curse on your channel. You can say I'm gonna it. go Pete Carroll one, okay. McVeigh two, Kyle three, and then whoever is in Arizona. I feel like Kyle gets too much credit. Like everyone says, the Niners have the best roster. They have the best everything: the best defense, the best weapons, the best coach. Yo. Why haven't they won? What is the problem? And locally, they're like, well, they just had such bad luck. It's football. Injuries happen. Don't tell me about bad luck. Finish the deal. You couldn't get it done in Atlanta. You can't get it done here. When you get it done, I'll, I'll crown you. But McVeigh got it done. Carroll got it done. There's something to be said about that. So those two have to be ahead of Kyle. There's no excuses for this guy. He's got the team. He's had the team for like four years. Get it done. Now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And, I, and like I'm picking the Seahawks to win the division this year, not the 49ers. I like it's a good young team. Pete Carroll knows what to do with young players. I like that team. They got a better offensive line and a better quarterback than the Niners. Start right there. So, so Grant, let me ask you a question. 
Niners yeah. make a deep playoff run this year. Is Kyle Shanahan on the hot on the hot seat? No, they love him here out here, man. They want to give him a, a, a freaking you know, lifetime I'm, contract. I'm not saying I would. I would have traded him already. I'm to saying, me, he's worth. I'll oh, go Grant, ahead. Go ahead, Grant. Grant, I'm saying should he be? I think he should be. I think they should absolutely look at him as a kind of guy who built what they who built this, but may not be able to put him over the top. A la Tony Dungy in Tampa when we were kids, right? Tony Dungy, great coach, but was he ever going to win the Super Bowl with Tampa? Maybe not. He went to Indianapolis, got Peyton Manning, and won there. That could be Kyle. He could be the kind of guy who's like, man, you built this, all credit to you, but you're not going to take this team to the promised land, go somewhere else, win there, and let someone else finish the job that you started. I could see that being the case because, like, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing at quarterback at all. And that's a fairly important position. End of story for Kyle Shanahan. Like, I love, I love your running backs. I love your weapons. I love your defense. I love everything. Who is your freaking quarterback? And he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, that's a good question. I, I just don't know the answer to that. It's year seven, man. You passed on Mahomes. You passed on Brady. You passed on Stafford. You, you, you could have made a play for Lamar Jackson this year. I mean, you're so casual about this. Like, at what point are Niner fans and Niner ownership going to say, Kyle, like, you don't have a plan at the most important position? You're gaslighting all of us. But no one says that. I don't know. Do you think he and John Lynch are on the same page in that position? No. Do you think that's part of the issue? Yes. I think John Lynch loved Jimmy. I think Kyle wanted Jimmy the hell out. I think Kyle wanted Trey. John didn't want him. I think John loves Brock, and Kyle's like, what about Sam? Darnold? Like, I, they, I think the fact that they don't agree at all is a big problem with the 49ers. Because the original plan was wait for Kirk Cousins. Then John came in halfway through the season, let's trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, and Kyle's like, okay. And then Kyle freaking hated Jimmy Garoppolo despite him winning all of his freaking games. And Kyle's like, let's trade for Trey Lansing. And John's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, and they've been doing that power struggle for years. You can't win, you can't win a Super Bowl like that. I just don't think you can. Do the Seahawks have crap like that going on? I don't think they do. They don't, don't have do. crap like that going on. They, well, I will say last year was one of the closest things that, that came was John was a Drew Locke guy. And the coaches were like, no, Gino's the guy. And <laughs> that got, that was not a well-publicized thing. But like when Pete, when Pete named Gino the starter in like preseason game number three, before even leaving and going back to Seattle, front office wasn't thrilled about that. Like, so there's been some, but it's very minor. And, but at the same time, Kyle, like no matter who's back there has managed to always make them successful, put weapons around them, makes everybody like utilizes everybody. Uh, and I don't know that Trent Williams trade that by itself kept this franchise, that franchise afloat because I thought that was going to be their downfall. And then they pull out the best offensive lineman yeah. in the league out of their hat. And I think that changed the trajectory of that whole thing. If they, if they didn't have Trent Williams, yeah, I really wonder what the 49ers would look like the last few years. Yeah, because really he's the only offensive lineman you care about on the entire team. And it's like it's funny. The two offensive geniuses that, that most people would say in the league are Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. And I think they have very different philosophies on offense. Andy Reid feels like what you need is a franchise quarterback, a legitimate weapon, a guy who can run and throw all areas of the field, challenge all areas of the field, and a great offensive line. Maybe maybe that's not 
what he's always had, but that's what he has in Kansas City now. The weapons, he can got, he can, he can draft weapons, he can find weapons, like no problem. Kyle, he's like, forget the quarterback, forget the offensive line, just give me the best defense and the best uh, weapons and the best left tackle in the league. Like, really? Because it's because what happens every year is your quarterback gets hurt. What happens every year is your offensive line freaking stinks. And when you go against teams like Philly and Dallas, you get punked in the trenches, which is where games are won and lost. So I, I would much rather build my offense the way Andy Reid does. Like, man, just give me the offensive line and protect my franchise quarterback. We'll figure out the rest because I'm so freaking smart. I'm so smart. Give me a second round pick and wide receiver. I'll work it out. But Kyle's like, no, I need Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and, and George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. It's like, Okay, well, I think a lot of coaches could, you know, put up numbers with those guys. But can you keep your quarterback healthy? No. And here's the thing. They got all their quarterbacks hurt last year. What do they do? Do they make their offensive line better this year? No. They got more quarterbacks. That is a great point. <laughs> They're <laughs> counting on more quarterback injuries. You know, that's I, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, Kyle Shanahan is just, you know, the product of Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan likes to ruin quarterbacks careers by playing them until it did it to rg3 yeah destroyed it did it to rg3 yep yeah. well now you're watching san francisco right and what do they do break a quarterback break a quarterback or break a quarterback over and over and over again it's almost like they really do not care about the position it's a little crazy and yet at the same time you see the other teams around the league that are 200 million dollars guaranteed whatever the hell it may be and Shanahan can't even keep him on the damn field. I never oh. understood the thought process of it. It makes and no Dana, sense. All the rules protect the quarterback. It's easier than ever to protect a quarterback. And this dude is flummoxed. He's like, man, I went through four. He was playing Josh Johnson in the NFC championship game. And that wasn't enough. He needed a fifth quarterback, Dana. Yeah. Dana. And he call him a genius. And I'm sitting here being like, wait a second. Like, he does certain things really well. I, I can't deny that. But, like, can't we all agree that he's got some serious gaps at the most important position? I don't I don't know, man. And then you have to know. wonder about Brock Purdy. It's like, yeah, he has this great quarterback. Does he or did he have a great defense that kept points off the field the other way? So he managed to actually win some of these games. It's so baffling to me that the defense, because I'm a defense lover. I, I can yeah. give two craps about quarterbacks. I think they're overrated. But here's the thing. I think that this defense, all anyone talks about is quarterback because it's such a disaster when you have the best defense in football. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? But he's an offensive-minded coach. It makes no sense to me. And then every defensive coordinator he has leaves for a head coaching job, so you have to start all over, and they're still just as good. So he has this issue protecting his quarterback, so he spends his first pick on a safety. <laughs> cool, he's a good safety. He spends his second pick on a kicker. A Hilarious. Kicker. Like hilarious, he's such a troll. You gotta love that. Kicker, gotta love. Go that. ahead, Jeff. Jeff. Uh, hey, one of the things I've never understood about Shanahan and Evan's boyfriend McVeigh. Um, <laughs> when these guys are like these progressive offensive minds, but like the fourth quarter with like timeouts, he's got conservative. To like, what is going Punts. on? It's because I feel like they're actually very much extensions of Mike Shanahan. Yeah, and Mike mm -hmm. Shanahan's an old school conservative coach, and like they all they, they try to make these these kids seem like they're so cutting edge. Like, man, they're just Mike Shanahan with like jet sweeps and motions thrown in. Like, it, it's just a little bit of an updated version of a 1997 version of football. I really feel like the Shanahan 
tree of football is so overhyped, man. Like, why can't we? No one talks about the Andy Reid tree. I mean, Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson. It seems like those guys are more successful than actually like the Shanahan. All they have to talk like to hand their hat on is McVay one time. That's it. That's it. That's it. It Peterson worked. It worked. Do you remember that Rams Niners NFC Championship, like the fourth quarter of that game, where they're punting on fourth and one, and it seemed like both coaches were inside the other team's territory and stuff. It's like, yeah. wow, that's aggressive. Nice, nice. Grant, I saw you. Like Mina Kimes came out and had Shan like number two coach in the league, and your tweet was like, "Well, he's got McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, Trent Williams. Like, what a genius!" Like, yeah. I had the same reaction as you, so I was happy to see that. But like. A guy with no with the best team and no rings is the second best coach in the league. Like, man, can he just can we wait a year? Can we let him win the damn thing first before we put him on? I'll put him number two if he actually accomplishes something. It just reminds me of like uh, 10 years ago when everyone was willing to call. Remember when people were saying Colin Kaepernick was gonna be the greatest quarterback of all time? Oh my god. It's like, yo, can he accomplish that first? Like, maybe, maybe. Can he like actually accomplish that first before we just crown him? People are so quick, man. People really like to be the first person. And I don't know why Kyle Shanahan is like that cult figure in the NFL where everyone who thinks he knows something about football is like, hey, man, yeah, but Kyle is that guy. Like, I guess maybe this one day. Exactly but it's because of a name know. they know. That's it. It's no, like name you. recognition. That's I it. I agree. I agree. It's not. That I agree. I'll tell you what it is for me. When I watch football games every weekend and I watch the Seahawks the most, and the Seahawks are fighting and clawing to complete a friggin' screen pass or to find somebody that isn't like a tight window throw. And Kyle Shanahan, year after year, his quarterbacks are throwing to wide open spaces. Yeah. Guys that are not, these are not tough throws. That's this what it is. Party did not have to make a lot of tough throws. And anyway, so that for me, I'll buy itself. The highlights look good. The highlights look good. Good. He, he, he schemes up run and pass well he's not one dimensional so like i look at his offense and i'm like damn it would be nice to have that gino makes some throws that i don't think anyone on the 49ers roster can make but he'd be a nice offensive coordinator to have under pete carroll what's that he'd be a nice offensive coordinator to have under pete carroll but you don't want him to be your head coach that's why you don't want him to be your head coach that's why dan quinn's first hire was kyle shanahan and they showed a good hire that was a good hire. But Dan needed to have Dan needed to step up in the second half and say, Kyle, Kyle, run the motherfucking ball right now. But Dan Quinn didn't do that, and that's his fault too. Yes. That's his fault too. He needed to yes. do that. You're the head fucking coach, Dan. Not Kyle. Because when you have someone over Kyle telling him what to do, he might actually be, you know, what you want him to be. But you leave him to his own devices, so fuck it up. I'm sorry. Evan's loving it right now. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Run the fucking ball. They were up 28 to three, Evan. 28 to three. What the fuck is your problem? Sorry, I love you, man. I, I'm going to see you tomorrow. But like, what? I, I, how did that fucking happen? I'm not drunk. I'm drinking <laughs> this LaCroix. Is, this is like, this is exactly the show I thought was going to happen. I don't know what's in there. I, I see what's on the can, but I don't know what's in there. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is, Evan loves your boy. He, he loves Kyle Shanahan. I look at the 49ers roster, and I don't think it's close whether the Seahawks or 49ers have a better roster. The 49ers have a significantly better roster than Seattle. That's what I – I will deny it if other if 49ers fans come at me. But I I'm picking the Seahawks right in this division. I don't give a shit. I'm picking Seahawks. 
So this I like the Seahawks tackles, Grant. Like I, I look at the Seahawks. I see, I see a defensive Brian, line. Brian, that is Brian, thin. Brian, Brian. Yes. Name the 49ers starting right tackle right now. Go. Name him. Name him. I don't know him. I don't know him. McKitsky or something like. McKinley? McKitsky? Did I hear a niner in there? Were you you trailing off a little bit? What? 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 what, what? Who? Oh, isn't it like Colton McKivitz maybe? Yes. You got it. Who the hell is Colton McKivitz? He wouldn't start for the Seattle Seahawks. No. He wouldn't start for for the Arizona Cardinals. That guy is starting for the 49ers. Yeah, but I'm Trent Williams is better than all five Seahawks offensive linemen combined. It's one guy, though. It's a whole line. At the most, it's a whole line. On the offensive line, though. Right tackle is a very important position. Man. I, this I think it's extremely you. important. That position. was shocking to me that that's what their plan was at that position. And I think that move, that one move, might be one of the biggest swings in the division and in the conference that nobody else other than maybe you is talking about because all you need is one side of your line or one part of your line to be a problem. And then all of a sudden, guess what? George Kittle is having to stay in more to help cover that. And all of a sudden he's out of the routes or you can't run the sweep to that side with Debo or someone else because they're getting blown into the backfield. Like that one position can absolutely. And if that offense gets, 15% 15% less effective and it puts more pressure on that defense. And the other thing that they didn't do, they did not address the cornerback position on the 49ers. Like I look at the 49ers coverage and like uh, Jared Stidham, I think put up like 400 yards against them last year and, and ran uh, and like ran for first downs and stuff. I mean, and he, I'm looking at yeah. the Seahawks trio of receivers right now and i'm like yeah i feel good about that so it's not that i don't see where the seahawks have positives but man if i like i i look at that 49ers roster and it's still there's a bunch of wrecking balls on that team it's a really good team it's a really good team but you gotta like forget the niners in the regular season they could beat you every time in the regular season but if you face them in january like who's their quarterback who's their quarterback gonna be at that point like I don't know I feel like the Seahawks weren't their defense was terrible last year it was just bad but it was so bad they got Bobby Wagner back their secondary is freaking really good unless Witherspoon isn't I think he's gonna be really good um I mean can you stop the run Maybe, but like, does that really determine like who wins and loses that much in the NFL anymore? Like, you have an offense, like, you have a quarterback who can air it out. That you're the best deep thrower in the league. Now you just added another first round pick at wide receiver. Niners can't push the ball more than t- 20 yards down the field. All their big plays come from Debo Samuel breaking eight tackles. I don't know, man. Like, Grant, I'm Grant. a big UCLA fan. Zach Charbonnet, freaking baller. He's yeah. gonna really. Are you talking about struggling to complete a, a, a screen pass? Not anymore with him. He's great. I love Zach Charbonnet. Great. They have a lot of good players. They just don't have a lot of stars. Like, who's their all-pro player? Like, San Francisco's got Trent, Kittle, Debo. It's a young team. DK? I'll take DK. I'll take DK. I'll take – I like the two running backs. Go ahead. What the hell is going on here? 
We have Grant Cohen up here defending the Seahawks against the entire Hawk Blogger crew who, loves, who have been dying to bitch about Seahawks. this team for like the entire offseason. I'm completely time more. I think I have to go home because I'm confused. I don't know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> that is the point of this episode. <laughs> that is the whole point. Evan, you were going to say something. Grant, did you watch the Las Vegas Raiders Seattle Seahawks game last year? I don't think I did. Tell did me what happened. When game? was this? When was it this? When was him. this? This was this was near the end of the year. I don't know. This okay. was like week 12, 13, something like that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, cue you into some headlines I saw. Josh Jacobs runs for Ooh. 400 plus yards. Okay, I remember this one. Yes. Dominates Seattle against the run. Wins in overtime. Busts a run for 79 motherfucking yards against this garbage-ass <laughs> motherfucking run defense. Yes. Grant, this run yep. defense is it's likely trash. worse than it was last year. Likely worse. How is Pete Carroll not figuring this out? Like, what, 10 years ago, Defensive this was not an issue. I don't understand that. I don't Defensive get that. Defensive mastermind Pete Carroll has not. I just keep assuming he's going to figure it out, but maybe I'm, like, too removed from the situation. What's going I'm just on? saying do not underestimate how potentially bad this run defense may be. It, be, um, it, may, end this, it may end this team's year. Early this next season. Okay. It's that bad. Jaron Reed. Draymond Jones was, is good, but he's not like a big dude. Like he's a more of a pass rusher. There's also one yeah. guy, Grant. There's it's one like, guy, imagine yeah. he goes fucking down. Who the fuck is behind him? Jaron no. Reed? Jaron Reed? Jaron yeah. Reed. Oh, what? Jaron yeah. Reed? Jaron Reed. Retread Jaron Reed? Hey, you got Bobby Wagner? You got Bobby? Oh, yeah, I love Bobby, but motherfucker's like, what, 37 years old? I love you, Bobby, but please true come on yeah come on uh, yeah i think those of like reality you, and i guess what i feel is like run defense doesn't matter as much as it did in the past you build defenses from back to front not front to back you got the best secondary potentially grant, you got a grant, nice young grant, offensive line grant, and your weapons on offense are fucking, super nice grant things huh? ran down our fucking throat last year the niners everyone. everybody everyone. you cannot stop anybody grant and were you playing you those know, like two wait, high wait, safety wait, shit? Wait, you were playing wait, that two wait, high safety wait, shit all the time, right? Do you know that Dana had a thousand yards against the Seahawks last year? That's no. crazy, man. Grant, Dana, Grant, was, Dana was stiff arming him. Evan. Yeah. We put you at running back, you're running yeah. down our throats. <laughs> That's not good. It's bad. That's not good. That's it's really bad. As good as our secondary is. What does Pete Carroll say about this shit? Like, how does he not have a fucking solution? What does he oh, say? It's weird. But the same defense two years ago, they were top 10 in run defense with these same players. They tried to do that, but didn't, but didn't they try to twi- sw- like switch their scheme up? And they're trying they, to do like more of a Vic Fangio too high, blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, like it, it did not work. Shit. No, and they, they changed doing? it back. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but I just okay. have faith in Pete. I'm like, he'll figure it out. He's 75. He'll, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Shit, he's been around. I don't know. See, like, but you know, what like, the fuck, man? Stop the run. Put eight in the box. What the fuck are you doing, Pete? You know what the fuck you're doing? I don't know. I I trust him. I like his. I like that first round pick, Jackson Smith and Jake. Like, nice. That's money. I like Charbonnet. I feel like that like collection of weapons is serious, and your offensive line is nice. Like, you you have two good tackles. Niners can't say that shit. Hundred percent. Here's the you have a quarterback who played every game last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm optimistic, and I feel like the Seahawks came on quick ten years ago too. Like, no one saw that shit coming in 2012. It was just like, boom, we're we're contenders. Young ass team. Here's the thing. 
like and we'll, we'll probably keep going on the uh crossover part of this where, where we're cheering for each other's team um or tearing down although dana will never do that um I absolutely believe Gino is slept on still. I think Gino can be a top five quarterback in this league. I absolutely, I believe that. I think he can take a huge step forward this year. He was a top three quarterback for a lot of last year um, by almost any metric. And then the interior offensive line for the Seahawks fell off and he fell off with it. But the first half he played in the 49ers playoff game, I thought was, was pretty peak football. Um, and then it fell apart. I feel like he got better every time he faced the Niners. I do too. And I felt like he, the, the Seahawks don't do a great job of giving him easy throws the way the Niners do for Brock Purdy. That is right. I think JSN is going to be a huge part of addressing that. Whether or not they scheme Charbonnet. people open, he just is going to be open Both of all the time. I've heard the, the Seahawks talking a lot about like they, they like ranked last in uh, screen. I, I don't know. Screen passes. I heard someone yeah. talk about it. Like, yeah, like you want to be good on screens. It's such an easy way to give your, your quarterback completions. That's what Charbonnet did at UCLA. That's what Jackson Smith uh, and Jigma did at Ohio State. So I feel like this offense is going to have it's going to be able to run the ball. It's going to be able to, yes. to screen you to death, and you have serious deep threats and a really good deep thrower I and a good that. offensive line. I'm optimistic, man. I think it's going to be a good team. There are two positions for the Seahawks that I think will make or break the the team. It is defensive tackle. Yep. And center. Yep. I there you think go. those two positions yep. will determine if, if those two positions play well, then I think the Seahawks, I, I would got to be, right be solid with you and saying that, it's those, be solid. that that team is going to beat. I think they yeah. will win the division. Yeah. But it's a question. But, so who, who are we talking about there? I don't even well, know who your center is. Evan Brown, who okay. is signed by the lions, right? Like he's, he's nobody. He, he's okay. a guy. Oh, um, the team is interesting though. I do know that guy. Olu I'd is like there, to see what he can do. That's who they want to win the job. And so in the camp, in camp that is one of the most important things. And Cam Young is the guy on the other side of the ball, rookie defensive tackle they, they drafted. If he plays well, great. But here's the thing that happened today, news-wise for the Seahawks. They restructured Quandre Diggs. They extended Uchenna Nuosu. They opened okay. up $11-plus million in cap room. Okay. So they already have, they're at 13 million when you take in, I think the Quandre restructure, maybe the, and then they have not yet added in the Nuosu restructure. So they're going to have what, like 18 million in cap space. Mm -hmm. That's, they needed money. They needed 5 million to sign Witherspoon. Um, they just signed Charbonnet, but, and then they need stuff for injuries and they need, you know, all that other stuff. Uh, uh, practice squad. Mm -hmm. Is there enough that everyone's assuming it's going to be Shelby Harris or someone like that, that they bring in. Is there any chance that John is going to do his thing that he's done time and again, which drives me usually crazy, but make a big move. Like he made a big mood for, uh, uh, you know, Sheldon back in the day from the jets. He made a big move for Jadavian Clowney. He made a big move for Jamal Adams. Is he going to bring Jones? in your old boy, DeForest Buckner? Oh, D Buckner? I was going to say Chris Jones. Maybe one of those two. I, do, do you think that's Chris even Jones a realm of possibility? Anybody? He's going to be way too expensive. He's got a contract Maybe. dispute with Kansas City. Yeah, but he's too know. expensive, Evan. You, you, could, you, you could give him a signing bonus and backload it and work it out. I don't know. Yeah, cap isn't real. But yeah, it's not. 2023, no problem. Yeah, you could backload hmm. it. I, Chris Jones. What? Chris, I, 
I, I, unless because you're saying like Jared Reed is not a serious solution. Right? He can't start. No, 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 no. So maybe, maybe, I'll, I'll, maybe that's what the Niners are thinking at, at right tackle with Colton McKivitz. Like they're going to do something. But hold on. Go ahead, Evan. I just want to say from a cap perspective, like financially, they have opened up way more space than they actually need to. Like we're talking practice squad, one to two million dollars, maybe two point five for the 2023 season. Witherspoon, five and a half million dollars max at number five overall. I've looked at previous number five picks. It's not that crazy type of money. They have like 10 plus million dollars in cap space that more than than which they need is what I'm trying to communicate. Like mm. there's there's something happening here. Maybe they just plan to roll it over. That, that'd be weird, but... That'd be weird. Why would they restructure to roll I, over? I know, I know. It's a pessimistic view, but my hunch is something is going to happen here. And they're not going to pay fucking Shelby Harris, like some big crazy bag. They could pay Shelby Harris as much you know? as seven or eight. Isn't that possible? You know, like, I don't want them to, but uh, isn't that possible? What a one-year deal? I mean, like, no one Dominican Sue was signing, like, $8 million one-year contracts. I'm not saying Shelby <laughs> Harris isn't Dominican Sue, but... What about Sue? That would be so lame. I've been wondering about Sue. Is he going to cost eight million now? He can't be cost more than five million. Sue would be perfect for you guys. Sue likes money and he likes skipping training camp. And he likes uh, uh, states with no taxes. Yeah, he's a savage guy, man. Don't we all? My dumbass lives in California. Say this though. Chris Jones was the name that came to mind as well for me. I yeah. can't imagine there's 0.0% chance of that. I can't. Now, you guys, listen, I covered the AFC West too. I can't imagine the Chiefs just letting him be traded. I, I just don't see it happening. Their defense was such a problem for so long, and they finally got it clicking. They're not going to let him go. They let Frank Clark go. Okay. They're not going to let him go. But what about Buckner, who's actually more of a run defender than even Jones is? And what about Chase Young? Those are two. No on Chase Young. Chase Young makes any real sense because yeah. he, he's more of an edge player, and I think that yeah. doesn't really address their need. But those are the two names that come to mind for me. I, I would say yes on DeForest Buckner. I still can't believe the Niners got rid of him. I think he's a great player. I think he's an underrated player. He's an Iron Man. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. Um, he and He's like a leader. He like The Niners chose Eric Armstead over DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead can be the most dominating player on the field, but he only does it like two or three times a year. The other times he's like pacing himself or I don't even know. Like Buckner gives you everything he has every play. I love players like that. You, you should definitely go get DeForest Buckner. Do that. Super Bowl. That has to be one of the moves that they lose. so good. They, they picked between one or the other and they picked wrong. It's very clear they yeah. picked wrong. And they still try to justify it. Like, I don't know. They don't, they, they're still trying to justify the Trey Lance trade. Like, yeah, you know. We traded. We just gave away three first round picks, burned them, threw them, put them on fire. Never used them. But who yeah. cares? We got Brock. We're good. like you wouldn't have won the Super Bowl if you had drafted Panay Sewell. Like you wouldn't. You wouldn't. They're like that's fine. We're gonna win one eventually. Dad, who cares? We came close. You don't want Parsons on one side and Bosa on the other. Apparently Parsons not. Won after that pick. Ooh. Yeah, he certainly did. Can we talk about the Bosa news that came out today? Yeah. Good. Ooh. Ooh. what's he gonna be looking for grant are we talking like mid 20s high 20s 30s what low 30s oh, mid 30s like quarterback money man like mostly guaranteed quarterback money and what's funny is like the niners are these tough negotiators they have parag marate they they make you wait and they like bring out all your insecurities then what are you gonna say to nick bosa what are you gonna say 
you were just a defensive player of the year. Like, I, I think all his agent has to do is like, you just call us when you're ready to pay us what we're, what the market says we're worth. And until then, we're just going to wait. So I think the Niners, they'll probably just pay him in a week. I mean, a week. What are they going to do? Actually not pay him? Like, that would be the weakest move you could do. We can't afford Nick Bosa, everyone. Like, great. Sweet. They'll pay him. He's just chilling until then. Yeah. He's going to get a bag. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to get quarterback money, man. He's going to be one of the highest. He's going to be the highest paid defensive player ever. You know what? He, yeah, he's going to make a bigger bag than Geno Smith by quite a bit, actually. Which Not is even close. Think about. And the Niners keep bragging about their quarterback room like it's so cheap. Like, oh. dude, you're spending uh, franchise quarterback money on a player who doesn't touch the football. But, you know. Yeah. That's cool. I would trade him. You would, tra- you would trade Nick Bosa? I would trade Nick Bosa. I don't think it's smart what? to spend quarterback money on a non-quarterback. I think that market at D-end is getting crazy. Like, there's really? so many good edge rushers who are on the market right now. It's almost like the running back position. Like, I Yannick think the bigger Gok question around. for the 49ers is not that. Do you trade Debo or Ayuk? Debo. He's older. You're not a I think Ayuk's getting better. I mean, Debo's great, but I feel like Debo, is he getting better? Does, or was 2021 his best year? Ayuk's getting better. Ayuk's 25. Grant, this is the right like, question. D- I've got a question for you. Does yeah, okay. Debo, does Debo show up? This training camp in shape. They said he will. They said that Kyle said today that he that Debo's been sending pictures of himself without a shirt on that he looks great. He's been sending selfies. He, he, said that. he literally said that he's been sending him topless selfies and that he looks great. So I don't know. I guess I those are AI generated. You know that though, right? True. I've been sending uh, Kyle topless pictures too, but he didn't say shit about that. I mean, you know he likes that five seven nice. one hundred thirty two pound build, man. Thank you. Been doing some pull-ups. He wasn't impressed. Yeah. Maybe it was the lighting. What is the week? I think I'm better looking than Debo. Oh, <laughs> Debo. That's a take. I think I'm better looking than Debo. I I mean, I'm saying it right now. I don't know how to respond to that. That's so funny. <laughs> He's a good looking guy, too. But nah, he can't. I mean, this look at the sexy stubble. He can't, he can't mess with that. This beautiful fade. No. This, this. No, you can't do it. It's too much. I'm sorry, Debo. Sorry, hey, man. Grant. He blocked me on Twitter. He so I take shots all Twitter. the time. Yeah. I take <laughs> shots as much as possible. Oh, now you block me? Okay, I'm, I'm better looking than you. <laughs> Dana, what's up? Sorry. I would know you're fine. Um, so who, <laughs> the, we, we've been asking everybody this, but who's your surprise cut? Who do you think this is going to be the cut that's going to piss off the fan base? tough one i think they might trade elijah mitchell mm-hmm. i don't know because he's like a starting running back who's gonna get lost in the shuffle here behind yeah. um, i mean he could start for the rams like right now so i i don't know he, he could be one but i don't think niner fans care because they have mccaffrey until he gets hurt week two that's the niner the niners do that with their running backs they find a way to get them hurt too it's not just the quarterbacks most everybody are, gets well, the running mitchell. backs hurt though we and mccaffrey is like run. known for that yeah, so. yeah he's like yeah here here's a take here's a take I don't think uh, CMC is significantly better than Elijah Mitchell in that offense. I don't think the 49ers are that much better. When Elijah Mitchell was healthy, I think he gave them everything they needed. That's how I felt at first, but after watching McCaffrey, I come to appreciate him. Like As a running back, when you hand him the ball, there are a lot of running backs who are better than him. But what he can do with that plus the receiving, I don't know that there's that many running backs who can do that. 
And when you have a running back who's that good of a receiver and that, you know, above average as a running back as well, it's hard to stop the offense. I mean, the nine, there's, I think he was the main reason they were scoring so many points down the stretch. I think just the bind he put them in, I felt like he immediately became the alpha on that offense. Like Debo, thank you so much. Ayuk, you're great. Kittle, but this is now McCaffrey's team. And when they traded for him, I was like, really? Like another check down? Like that's all Jimmy does is check down. How many check down threats can you have? And by the end, I was like, okay, no, that kind of a dual threat at running back is great. I That's like, you know, Marshall Falk, Roger Craig. I know he's not big like that, but he's he does have as long as he's healthy, he has like a Marshall Falk impact. As long as he's healthy. I, I don't know how long it's gonna be. I don't, but down the stretch last year he was, and it was crazy. All right. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, why are you guys so down on the Seahawks? Why am I why am I the most right? enthusiastic person about the Seahawks here? What, what, what? Right? I don't understand. I thought so you guys were gonna up, agree with up. me on that one. I thought I was trying to win points with you guys and I didn't expect yeah. pushback. Not so, in this group. Don't that what? it's only me that would agree with you. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. I've got a question for you, Grant. You said you said okay. Seattle was gonna win the division, right? Yeah. How many wins do you think they end up with? Twelve. Twelve wins? Yeah, I think the Niners like ten or eleven. Okay. And not, and uh, Rams come third, I assume. Yeah, I look at their roster on defense. I can't. I don't know who the hell seven of those guys are. Like, who? I th- I'm sorry. I Aaron Donald's a great player. Matthew Stafford when his arm, but like they, I don't know who's on that team. I mean, people I mean, forgot I like they, they're rebuilding. They don't have Jalen Ramsey anymore. They traded yeah. him. I know. They like, don't have a lot of players anymore. I know. Nope. They offloaded, but they got Ben Skoranek. So watch out. <laughs> I do wonder who's if running back? gets traded who's running back? this season. I don't even know who they should. Back is. I have no idea who the running back is. They haven't had one since Todd Gurley injured his knee. What you're going to see is Evan's love child. Uh, has his daddy actually over there, uh, Sean McVay, fold under a losing team. He almost quit the first year he had a losing team, and now he's come back, and he's going to lose even worse, I think, this year. And I think His team sucks. I don't think he'll last after this season. I think he'll he'll walk into the sunset because he should go get a bag to talk on TV before people think he sucks. Ooh, I'm saying like him? Doug Peterson won a, a Super Bowl. No one's paying him to talk on TV. Like you need to strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair from like a career perspective. Yeah, I yeah, guess. just from like a perception perspective. Sure. No, I agree. Yeah, and yeah. McVeigh's mentor was Gruden. That's who he came up with. And Gruden had a really similar career where he was this like hotshot boy wonder who won with Tony Dungy's team. He took the bag and broadcasting. Then he came back and he sucked. Jeff, <laughs> whatever happened to John Gruden? He was coaching the Raiders. And then was it, was it, <laughs> sorry, sorry. What happened to John? Oh, it was those emails. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Sorry, John. Sorry, you guys got really uncomfortable for a second. I was just going to make fun of John for being a racist, but it's okay. We you can move totally on. should. I mean, like, good job, John. Well, you Sorry. still got Nick Bosa. I don't mm. root for this team. <laughs> <laughs> I said I would trade him. You did say that. I, I, I we should all celebrate a moment of improvement for the NFL, which is the commanders getting sold officially. Oh, thank God. No doubt. I'm so happy. Are they going to change their name for the third time in three years? I hope I don't care, do. man. It's just it is ding dong. The bitch is dead. Like that guy was so bad for the NFL. I think if Jerry Jones, 
you know, is out of the NFL, that'd be the next best thing. I, I think that guy's awful for the NFL, but uh, man, that guy was awful. Every owner wants to be Jerry Jones. Like Jed York looks at Jerry Jones and is like, teach me. How mm. can I be like you? How can I, I win nothing and Jed make York. so much money? Teach me. I will so. never forget when Jed York sent out a personal apology tweet yeah. after the season. 10 years ago? Stomped their asses on Thanksgiving evening. I will that never forget. So that's, weak. That's, my, my, that's my primary Jed York memory. Yeah. Ingrained in my brain. And Jed York forever has been dignified as a loser mentally yes. in my brain because of that tweet. Literally. Yeah. Plus, because he's daddy's boy. Like, it, yeah. like that's it, like for him to come out and his, make his name for himself by apologizing. It was so embarrassing. Like, yeah, like that effort wasn't good enough. Jed, have you looked at yourself in the mirror? What kind of effort you give him today, dog? <laughs> <laughs> you gave a good effort on those hot dogs, huh, son? Like, what are you talking about? The effort. What did 49ers and, fans think of him? They like him now. They were mad at him during the Chip Kelly years, but everyone in, uh, in Ninerville is super happy, man. They act like they won three of the last four Super Bowls. It's cr- I feel like I'm in La La Land overhead. I don't get it. It's participation wow. trophy central. This is a team with five Super Bowl trophies, and they act like they've accomplished something the last few years. Like, I'm sorry. There used to be a higher bar here. But Why it's the York effect. That, that was the DeBartolo years. It was a whole different group. Why didn't Honestly? They keep- yeah. Wait. Why didn't they keep Jim Tomsula longer? They didn't give him a chance. So they have this guy, uh, Parag Marate. He's been like running the Niners finances for 20 years and he runs Leeds United now. And he did a, a, an a interview with like business journal or some something. And he was like, give you know, pat himself on the back. And he was like, well, we know that we can be successful with Leeds United because we inherited a lemonade stand with the 49ers and turned it into a fortune 500. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You inherited the best franchise with the most iconic brand and five Super Bowls, and you've added fucking none to that, but you have made a lot of money because all Super Bowls, I mean, all football teams have made a lot of money over, I mean, I don't know. That's how the Niners act, like like they've improved upon their past. Get the hell out, because they built Levi's. Levi's sucks. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what you call Lumen or whatever it is called now, but that's a great stadium downtown. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Levi's, uh, terrible. They should have Super Bowls at Lumen. Not at freaking Santa Clara. How cold is it really in January? It's February in Seattle. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. Don't ask don't Kevin, get it. but it's not that bad. It's just dark. <laughs> it's not cold. It's just dark. It is dark. It gets it gets dark at like 3.30. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, so it's right. What are you going to do? I promised, I promised Grant we would keep him on for no longer than an hour. We're coming up on Thank an hour you. here. I do want to say, uh, if you haven't seen on Grant's... Um, on Grant's Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. He's got a pinned tweet. I'm going to still stick with tweet uh, from Jimmy Ward and Jimmy Ward's on doing a, you know, a reel or stream, whatever. And he's, he's talking shit about all sorts of stuff. He's like this Grant Cohn guy. He (laughs) just like, he was ripping me. And then he saw what I could do at safety. And then I just got to say, he's kind of an a-hole, but, (laughs) but Grant Cohn, you know, like, he 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 treats everybody the same. He spits truth, and I can't say it because I'm on the team. I'm in the locker room, but he <laughs> treats everybody the same, and I respect that. I like that guy. I gotta say, I don't think you can get a better compliment than that. Yeah, God loves Jimmy Ward, man. I love that man. He's a great dude. Thank so, you, Jimmy. Congratulations for Thanks. what you accomplished, Grant. 
tell people where they can find you, where the show is, how often it is on, and uh, where should they follow you? Uh, well, I write for SI.com. I write the, the Niners site, SI.com slash NFL slash Niners. And I'm on YouTube a lot. I'm on Twitter. And uh, now it's training camp. I'm really proud of my training camp coverage because most of the year I'm just a shit poster. Let's be honest. I'm a troll. I'm really like getting under Niner fans skins. But for this month, I, I feel like I don't really break news, but it's training camp and everyone wants to be there, but not everyone can, can be there. And it's like the English major in me comes out. It's like, so don't tell use your descriptive words. And most sports writers suck at that. Like all they do is like give their opinion or like crunch numbers or tell, they do a lot of telling. So it's like my time to be like, okay, gather around the fire. Let me tell you what happened today at practice. It's a lot of fun. So if you want to see my coverage, I'm, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I'm on SI. Grant, can I, can I ask you one last question? One last parting question? Sure. George Kittle. George Kittle. <laughs> okay. That's a yeah. Is he as good as, as people say? Because, because I'll tell you this. The Niners fan base, they're in love with this man. And I'm not sure he's as good as people think. Okay. So I want to know your perspective. Like, I would take Travis Kelsey over him. I don't think he's the best tight end in the league. I don't think he's the blocker he used to be. But I do think that he's been heavily held back by the quarterbacks on this team, just like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like, let if me, you put me, George yeah. Kittle on the Chiefs, I, I, his numbers would be so much better. Let me ask so you much better. Over the next yeah. four years forward thinking so not retroactively over the next yeah. four years who has a better career george kittle or will disley <laughs> is that a serious question dead ass how did will how did will disley get in the chat what, what just happened is this like a, a if will disley had is been this like a, an inside joke disley, what's going on here will disley had been healthy the past few years george kittle his name would be non-existent is this Great. a bit? <laughs> I'm sorry. Will Disley stats. I, I don't even know who the fuck Will Disley is. Will Disley stats. I'm not a spell his name. Okay, hold on. He had 34 Grant. catches last year. Grant, Grant underutilized wow. tight end. Per sure. Perception stat. He is one yeah. of the leaders. Okay. Fuck, man. Yeah. 131 quarterback rating when targeted. Great, great. Wow! We're talking about underutilization. Holy shit! Holy shit! Will Disley? Yeah, no. Hey, now, now that you pointed out, I'm taking Disley, man. I gotta take Disley. Thank you. Kittle, Kittle's all about himself. Disley's a team player. Thank you. I've been trying. I've been striving for this recognition for this man. Thank He's you. A selfless player. It sounded crazy at first, but when I looked at the numbers, like you know, Evans, right? Thanks, Grant. Appreciate George, that. who? George, who? He, George Kittle is honestly like. Number four, number five, top best tight end in the NFC West. Like he's not, he's honestly not that like. When is Disley gonna get the bag, Evan? Because it's oh overdue. He just got paid actually a pretty good bag. You know, was it was it last offseason, guys? Two yeah. Last he's not a materialistic guy either, right? He just he, no, he no. willingly took less money yes. to keep the Seahawks good. You gotta respect that. You gotta respect that. He left. Is Noah Fant gonna take his spot or no? Oh, I think Noah Fant's gone after this year. To be quite honest okay. with you. They're not going to invest $20, $25, 30000000 million in the tight end position. They're just not going to do it. So. All right. Well, well, it was fun talking about Will Disley. What was that? It was fun talking about Will Disley. Yeah. I don't know who he is. What number is he? 82? Evan 84. doesn't know. Evan has no 87. idea. <laughs> 102. I don't. 
No, I've never seen him catch a pass. Does I he have long hair? His jersey is, is he Jewish? <laughs> I heard he was Jewish. He went to University of Washington. He went to UW. Okay. Oh, local kid. He's a local kid. You know, I don't know his number on his jersey, but I know his number. You know what Doug Baldwin's was. number was? 89. Of course. Yeah. Great player. So Stanford. That's Disley's number. Um, um, they didn't right. retire that? I'm going to let, let Grant go because we've right. kept him longer than we said. Um, for, right. for Evan, Jeff, Dana, if you guys want to stay on, we'll, we'll, we'll cover a few, a few more things. Grant, man, this was so much fun. Thanks for coming on. Love to do it again. Uh, let's do it again before the Niners gotta, and Seahawks gotta, play. Exactly. We got to bring you on for a pregame show or a postgame reaction. Evan, Evan, you need to be more drunk next time. They billed you as drunk. Yeah, I thought you were sober. Uh, I'm really good. You could have. So next time, me and you. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Looking Cheers. forward to it. This was Take fun. Care. See you guys. Thanks, Grant. That was wild. <laughs> guy's awesome. I love that man. I'm a, I'm a Grant Cohn fan. I really am. I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I'm seeing in the chat that people are like, "Oh, you know, he." Someone said that he pandered to this group. No, you guys go watch his Twitter. Everything he said is how he feels. He tweets That's it all the time. Idea. Yeah, all the time. I used to I used to get really annoyed with him. Like I thought I'd put him in the David Lombardi category, which by the way, one of the things that I really have come to love about Grant is that he and Lombardi clearly have have beef. I did not I didn't want to I didn't want to make him talk about it on on air. Although sort of try, right? can, can but I Lombardi ask? is like a fanboy who's become a reporter and Grant's not. And Grant will call things out and like even today, I think Grant quote tweeted Lombardi and said, cry for me or something along those lines. <laughs> like, and Lombardi drives me absolutely nuts. He is like, he's the worst. He is just a 49ers fan, takes the party line, like everything. Can, uh, I, can I just yeah. ask a question? Yes. Like, how does that man still have media credentials with the Niners? Grant? Yeah. Like, 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 because he has the power. I mean, he's been around for forever. Like man is yeah. towing the line. He's got to be. Am I wrong? The Seahawks might have taken away his. There is zero chance that, that the Seahawks, that Pearson would have uh, allowed him to keep credentials. Mm-hmm. Zero chance. Dave Pearson would have hung him on a cross. There's no chance. I'm telling you. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. Like, but man, like, <laughs> uh, your Disley question, though. Thank you for that. <laughs> what, almost, what about it? We 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 almost didn't get a chance to have that have that moment. I just like you think he's honestly one of the most overlooked players in the NFC West and the NFL. I just think George Kittle gets way too much credit. So. Um. And on that note. <laughs> on that note. It's about to be. It's about to be training camp tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We will find out tomorrow. We have not yet heard about PP. Correct. Yeah, it came out today. It did. Um, Wait. Uh, oh, not for Seattle. It didn't. No, 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 no. Other teams. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, Seattle shouldn't come out yet. So no, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be tomorrow. Among the moves we didn't talk about that happened. Alton Robinson got cut. I know. Did you hear that, Evan? 
I don't. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember which team he was with. Alton Robinson was on Alton Robinson for the Seahawks. The 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 guy Josh Cashman is going to be very disappointed that you've forgotten who he is. He got cut today. Yeah. 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 This is a guy that like had like five sacks as a rookie, and yeah, no, but I thought for some reason we had let him go earlier. Maybe I'm just hallucinating. That's yeah. that's fair. The new Nash Jones. I honestly forgot he was a Seahawk. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, well, he oh, hasn't played. He's yeah, been played. injured for a while. Yeah. I, I think it's injury related. They kept alluding to that his knee. I think it was or his, mm-hmm. wasn't yep. responding, and mm-hmm. I heard he just wasn't he wasn't able to bounce back. Yeah. So Evan and I did most of the talking there. I want to, for Jeff first and then Dana, I mean, <clears throat> I am really curious about what your honest impressions are of this cap space that the Seahawks have created. What are you expecting to happen? I think they're going to bring in some veteran defensive linemen. And I think it's a clear hole of the team. My first instinct is what Evan tweeted out today. I'm wondering if there's a trade because the timing is really curious because Evan tweeted this out. And we were talking on text today. You could have restructured digs at any point of the off season. And there's a lot of reasons why you would have done it in March when free agents were a plenty and you want cap space to compete for defensive linemen. And they were very aggressive. And like Evan said, there are about five or 10 million more than they needed to be. And Shelby Harris is the one guy everyone seems to point to. But Shelby's been on the street since they cut him before for agency. So that was March 10th or something. And no one signed him. And he's not a guy that's going to command $10 million. So I don't think his price point's very high. And players of his kind of point of their careers usually sign for $3 million. So one of the names I was wondering about today, not a trade target, is Dominican Sue, which, funny enough, you guys brought up when Grant was on. And he's a guy who signed last year late with the Eagles. He's been signing later in off seasons because he's the point of his career. If he's talked about, it. he doesn't really want to go into training camp anymore. And he fits a lot of what the Seahawks need. He's from the Pacific Northwest. And you put him in this defensive tackle rotation. I think you could potentially get him and Harris who kind of do different things. And Harris is a little redundant to what they have. I think they need more of a run stopping player. So I have to imagine, because you look at their team and I grant talked about it. They don't have like, Brian pointed out that article where the they were ranked like the sixth best future roster. You talk to personnel people about the Seahawks, they're very optimistic because they're not like us. They're not, they don't realize that Josh Jacobs game. You look at their roster top to bottom. They're they're like they're ascending at levels that a lot of other teams aren't. So it's hard not to think it's that one spot, but maybe I'm missing something. Could could I just add in a little layer here? I just to add more info on the on the cap stuff. I, I think it's really important for fans to understand that. Um, it's, it's exactly what Jeff said. It's not only the timing of this, but it's the, it's the logistics of a restructure. So keep this in mind when a, when a player gets restructured, this is a win, 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 only win for the player. Okay. So it takes the base salary, the player that the player's base salary. So spread out over 17 games, say it was $5 million spread out, divided over 17 games. It takes that base salary. It reduces it to a minimal number and it turns it into a signing bonus. Now, why is that good for a player? It's immediately fully guaranteed cash up front paid to the player immediately instead of a per-game basis where he might not get if he was injured or similar. So the team, what I'm trying to communicate is the team is could, you know, Josh Snyder, Matt Thomas could have come to Quandre Diggs 
four months ago and said, hey, we want you to restructure your deal. And Quandre Diggs couldn't, couldn't sign fast enough because it's, it's literally only a positive thing for the player. It, something feels like it must have happened recently to, to indicate that this was needed. Like it's, it's exactly what Jeff communicated. They have more than enough cap space to fit the absolutely required moves that are necessary in the short term. Not promising anything. Wait, 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 wait. Um, the does way that- this usually works. Yeah, it does. And I, I want to poke on this a little bit and see if I'm understanding this and, and thinking about this right. So usually Seahawks don't create cap space when they were signing a player. Usually they sign a player first, then they clear this space to make room for the contract. That's usually the order, right? And so they don't usually make the move to clear space until they need to. And that usually happens after they've signed somebody. And so that would add more credence to the idea that they're going to trade because in a trade situation, am I right that they would actually need to clear the space first? Yes, 100%. Because oh, Jeff, you're on mute. You're still on mute. Remember the Sheldon Richardson trade? The day of the trade, reports came out. The first thing that came out was Doug Baldwin and someone else had to, and I think it was Russell, had to redo their contracts. Mm-hmm. So that's usually just like a telling flag because when they signed Draymond Jones, I think they ended up cutting some defensive linemen the next day, like Brian indicated. And that's why I don't think like Shelby Harris, who's a guy who's been sitting out there, unless he's asking for stupid money. Like, I don't think it's him that they would have made that move for. There's like legitimate logistical steps that have to go into play here. Like they have to restructure the player, get the player to sign to the contract, publish it into the NFLPA system, and then have the league office league office officially record it on the wire. Okay, uh, for them to officially have the cap space to absorb a new contract, something like that. So again, not promising anything, but it's just the timing is very suspicious. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Dana. Some of the names that have come up, we've talked about Ndamukong Sue. We've talked about Shelby Harris, who, by the way, is a pretty good run defender. He's not a nose tackle, but he is a good run defender. Um, people in chat and others have talked about Vita Vea mm-hmm. is another name that's interesting. We've talked about Forrest Buckner. Um, I think it's not likely preseason, but at some point, I don't think it's crazy that Aaron Donald will be on the trading block. I'm not saying it's already been brought Seattle, up, mm-hmm. but I think it's possible. What, what is your gut? I mean, Chris Jones, I'm sorry. I'm leaving that out. I don't think there's a chance like zero. I think there's no chance of even worth talking about that. <clears throat> What's your thought? What do you want to see happen? I, I agree with you on Jones. I just don't see Kansas City letting him go. And if if they do, it's because he has dug in and said, I won't play there. Like, it's something that major, right? And so um, I think the trade makes the most sense. I also think the fact that we have 13 cornerbacks right now on the roster. That's where I was going says next. something. Yeah, I think that that says something too. And I've seen in the chat, people are like, what about Trey Brown? Trade him. Yeah, so you look at some of these teams that are rebuilding, right? And we have all these young cornerbacks. We have kind of a... a uh, a bevy of young players to kind of choose from that maybe, you know, aren't stars that they would keep, but so a trade does make sense that it does seem like a specific amount of money also, right? Like they're, they knew how much they had to have that. That seems like, you know, that makes sense too. Um, I don't want to Sue anywhere near this team. That's just 
you know, and as I told you guys in chat before, I'd sell my oldest child for Aaron, one year of Aaron Donald in Seattle. So, you know, that's just the defense lover in me. But I think you're right. But I think that with the thought process of this team, they're not looking to trade for someone for one year. I don't think they're looking. They, this is not a Super Bowl year for Seattle. So I don't think they're going to go after a one year rental where maybe much like the Rams did when they were just just chasing that ring because they knew what they had. Um, and so it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder a little bit about, um, you know, Vita Vea a little bit. I, I just, I just don't think that. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, I'm sorry, this comes into my head too. I don't mean to, to wander, but you know, then you have to look at, are they looking at multiple positions? So are they looking at two or three players within this price range that they can go then and pick up? Cause they did release three players today. Yeah. So how much space do they need? I don't know. I would prefer they go get a mid to upper talent player that they can sign for three years. I don't want to, I just am not interested in a one year rental, even Evan though I or, love Aaron Donald. I'm not yeah, yeah, interested yeah. in that. I, I totally hear you. Evan or Jeff or Dana, anyone knows this. How do we figure out whether the, the Seahawks can fit a player's contract under the cap who's been traded? Because I know like trading a player is pretty negative to the, the trading team's cap space, right? Like mm -hmm. the, pro, yeah. the salary, uh, the um, bonus all comes due that year, right? Or something along those lines. So how do we figure out, can you, is Vita Vea even a possibility to trade for? Yeah, so let's um like a true cost of a player. Yeah. I almost wonder if I can share my screen, but I'm a little worried about what um uh is on my tabs. So let me put it this way. Um <laughs> oh it's just like work stuff. That's not Kyle Shanahan porn. No, it sounded much more inappropriate than it actually was. Um so the long story short is the signing bonus, remember, is paid by the team that signed him to that contract. Okay. So the receiving team, forget about signing bonus. Okay, so we're looking at the Vita Vea contract. I'm looking at it right now on Over the Cap. 2023, you know, there's a $5 million signing bonus proration that's pretty much throughout the rest of his contract. Forget about all signing bonus. The only things you need to worry about are base salary and any per game roster bonuses. So for Vita Vea, 2023, with, uh, with the Bucks. he has a $1 million base salary, $5 million signing bonus, and a $500,000 per game roster bonus divided by 17 games. Okay. Um, so basically if the Seahawks were to trade for Vita Vea, they would pay the 1.08 mil base salary plus the 500 K per game roster bonus for a total cap hit of 1.5 mil. So it's basically everything, but the signing bonus, which is remember paid by the team that signs them to the contract. But then with Vita Vea, he next year makes 15 and a half million base and then 16 million the year after, then 17 million. Correct. So you're signing up for that with someone like him. Exactly. It's really just the base salaries that you're taking on, assuming there's no contract, uh, uh, new contract restructure or negotiation. So then DeForest Buckner, if I'm hearing you right, so he is 13 point. He's yeah, almost so fourteen million base with yeah. a one million dollar roster bonus. So he mm -hmm. seems like the only way you could trade for him is if he restructured his deal, or or just signed a new deal. Because remember, he signed a new deal. I think as a part of the Colts, the Colts trade is four years, eighty four million. Twenty twenty four is the last year of his deal, contract year. It wouldn't be unreasonable for him to be like, hey, 
you know, as a part of a trade, I want a new contract. And they would drop that number significantly in 2023. So I think DeForest Buckner, especially with the state of everything going on with the Colts, I don't think it's like a crazy possibility. Like financially. Intriguing. I mean, he's 29 years old, guys. Like he, he's in his prime. Um, he's yeah, going to watch. He is an all pro level player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but it, with the Colts, I mean, they have their new quarterback and yes, they have a lot of holes, but they, they aren't that far off. Why, why would they get rid of such a piece like that? I, I mean, unless they're, in, are they in cap trouble? Like it, that doesn't make sense to me. Like you look at the bucks and the bucks are, I mean, so, the Buccaneers and it's like, Oh, I, I'm sorry. Do you see who's throwing our quarter? You know, who our quarterback is this year. We're starting over from the you know bottom. So I don't know. It, I don't know that the Colts make sense to me, but I would love to have him. And I'm not saying I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I think uh, that's why, where I would probably disagree with you, Dana, is I, I don't think that, I don't think the Colts are competing for anything legitimately in the next one to two years. I think they're more of a three to four. Well, see, and I see too. But yeah, that's fair. I'm with Evan on this one. Like all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. There's so many good teams. Like seven, they got Anthony Richardson, who's the biggest project. Like he could be great, but they might be terrible for the next few years. And And this there's no guarantee Anthony Richardson's going to be good. Right? No, they could easily end up in the situation Arizona was in. Like if Richardson comes out and sucks this year, which is a distinct possibility, yeah, they could draft Caleb Williams next year, and like the Cardinals did a couple of years back. So, I mean, for what it's worth, um, Buckner's name was a trade candidate all off season. Like they, this was someone that that was came up all. I didn't hear that. So, I you know he's he's claimed it's not an issue. Blah blah blah. We'll see. I I I don't know. I mean, I think that's. I think it's a long. People have been talking about it. Seahawks Twitter and and patrons and other folks. I've basically said whatever we that we have nowhere near the room we'd need, um, under the cap. Now it's at least a question. Now I mean the most likely still feels like honestly signing someone like Shelby Harris and may, I think Jeff's point about maybe they, they double dip and get another just run stuffing veteran that feels plausible. I mean, I think Jaron Reed already a little bit fits that, but look, let me, let, let me ask you this way. There are 13 frigging cornerbacks on this roster. A lot of them are good. It's not just numbers. There's a lot of like even Artie Burns who we will like, Ha ha ha! Artie Burns is pretty good. He started. He started like a decent amount of games for like the Bears and the the Steelers before that. Um, is this team a quality defensive tackle away from being a contender? Like if they turn around tomorrow and they add Vita Vea. Or they turn around tomorrow and they add DeForest Buckner. Is this team a contender? A contender, yes. Uh, in this watered down NFC, I would say yes. That's exactly what was giving me my point. It's like in this NFC, yeah, I think that they could be. Now, maybe just a deep playoff run, but still, I mean, a contender for to get to the Super Bowl, I I think so. I mean, who do they have to go through? Yeah, they're Philly, they're San Francisco, 
And then it's like Seattle, Dallas, Detroit. And yeah. then who else is there? This it's is where I, I start going. Uh, I would change my tune about, I mean, honestly, part of it was just fun with Grant taking the opposite perspective. But part of what I've respected about the 49ers is they're just stacked at so many parts of mm-hmm. the roster. And they're good at rushing the passer. They're good at defending the run. They're good in like their linebackers are good in coverage. Their safeties have been pretty good. Um, they have cornerback as a weakness, but they just don't have that many weaknesses in offense. Pretty, pretty much the same thing. I would say that if the Seahawks get a quality interior defensive lineman, I think the Seahawks have less weaknesses than the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said it, Evan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The Seahawks have a lot of very good players. The thing that Seahawks don't have is great players. But from like one to like 35, like how many position groups in the Seahawks are just full of good players? It's pretty impressive considering how bleak they were. But that's the thing that always holds me back. The Niners have great players. They have the best left tackle in the league, maybe the best running back, maybe the best defensive end, probably the best defensive end, one of the better tight ends. Uh, one of the better defensive tackles, the best linebacker. Seattle doesn't really have the best at anything, but they have, but top to bottom, they're really good and really balanced. And they're kind of building like the, sort of like the Eagles are, because they're sort of built in the same kind of capacity. But if like you look at the top 100 list and top 50 list, like Seahawks don't have a guy in the top 50. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think at the end of the season, they could, but yeah. I think going into the season, they don't. And here's the thing about John Schneider folks he knew with the number five pick like he knew their biggest they talked about it at the end of last season they needed to get tougher in the trenches you know that they wanted jalen carter to be the guy that you know that and he wasn't they like they couldn't they looked at and they went and they drafted witherspoon and i guarantee you that they don't look at that as okay now we have to wait a year John Schneider is, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And so I think his wheels immediately started spinning about, okay, how do I go get a kick-ass interior defensive lineman? It's, it's this simple. They're not currently contenders with the current interior defensive line. They're just not. They're not. They're a year away. They're two years away. 2024 likely, you know, if they add reinforcements. But if they seriously want to compete this year and they're, if they're honest with themselves and they have integrity, they're not there this year. They need to add there. And maybe it's maybe it's the Stiggs restructure that's indicative of something that's going to happen. But I think let's be honest with ourselves. Like this interior defensive line, it's what I said earlier. I really don't think it's an insanely pessimistic view or anything. This interior defensive line could be worse than last year. Yeah. If not likely. <laughs> like. I have to ask one one other question on this, I, and I know you know Evan, you may need to drop. Feel free to if you need to. Uh, Al Woods, Al Woods threw some shade. You guys saw this? That was bullshit. I, okay, that was complete bullshit. New you team. Tell me what he said. I didn't read the comments. That was total new team, like new car smell. Yeah, he's pissing about the details. Tell, tell everybody what he said. What he said. Tell me. He said that. He got really jealous watching other teams play an like, attacking style of defense, even though Robert Sala came from Pete Carroll and <laughs> he played in this defense before. Uh, he said he got tired of sitting back and reading and reacting 
And the reason he signed the Jets was to play in an attacking system that he was infinitely jealous of, which every player said about the Seahawks three years ago. And last year, everyone said Vic Fangio style, the greatest form of defense in the fucking world. And everyone hired a Vic Fangio disciple. And now a year later, it's some fucking shit defense. It's That was garbage. I can't believe people reacted to that bullshit. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. That was as spicy of a take as I heard who knew that Al Woods shit talking on his way out would be the thing that triggers Jeff? Yeah. Well, he's been in the fucking defense for years. I wish Q Jeff did this, honestly. <laughs> nope. like, he real. probably is, but nobody gives a shit what he says. So it doesn't make it onto any kind of coverage anywhere. Um, but seriously, though, I think a story that we're not, we're not talking about enough is like Clint Hurd. Like Clint Hurd was brought in hand picked after we all hated on Ken Norton. Clint Hurt fucking sucked last year. That defense yep. was a joke. Like, that guy should be under the microscope more than maybe anyone in the building. I'm so sick of being pissed off at defensive coordinators. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. I and, and all I can think of is, A, they just don't have the talent level that Seahawks fans were real used to for a long time, obviously. And But at the same time, it's like, what is missing? What is the missing link? And it's it's infuriating, and I can't decide if it's Pete just hiring people that he really likes without looking on a bigger scope or what it is, but it's exhausting. I'm real tired of it. I, I Honest to God, go get Gus Bradley back, but, seriously. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I I'm love just Gus, saying. I, I, so here's – I think Grant said something that was pretty – he said a bunch of stuff that was good, but there's there a, a couple nuggets in there. And he went in and he listed like how many good players that Kyle Shanahan has on his team. And I think that that's, you know, it's legit. And, and while as much as I have respect for Kyle Shanahan, I, I think there is something real there. And if you look back over the last 10 years, how many players on the Seahawks defense were good enough to start for other teams? I mean, I'm talking Quentin Dunbar's of the world. I'm talking Trey Flowers. I'm talking Tedrick Thompson. I'm talking... You know, like go on that even Al Woods, right? Like well, look what's happened to Shaq Griffin. Right. So so my point is I, I think that the like I think all of us feel like, man, the coaching just it, it hasn't just solved the problem. And I think that that's fair. I, I agree, Jeff, that he should be Clint Hurt should be on the the uh under the microscope. But the talent level on defense has not been there i don't believe you can see them play for other coaches and they're not turning into all pros other places and so and i see someone calling out dj reed dj reed was good here so i i i don't i don't think that the coaching was the reason that dj reed actually in, in fact dj reed was let go by san francisco the seahawks brought him in and made him a he was a safety they made him a corner like he is he, he flourished in seattle so I think that primarily you have to lay it at the feet of this has not been a talented enough defense. And now I think there's a case to me secondary, the secondary. If that's not a good secondary, then Holy shit. Something's off. It should be a really good secondary. The defensive line, the defensive edges. I think the defensive edges are good. I think, between Daryl Taylor, second most sacks yeah. in his first 32 games 
in the history of the Seahawks franchise. The most slept on guy, I think, on the roster. Nuosu, you've got Boye Mafe, you've got the guy Derek Hall. Like, we'll see what he has, right? So there, there's edge guys. Draymond Jones is good. I don't think he's necessarily an all pro or even necessarily a pro bowler, but he's good. He's a quality starting player. So I think there is more legitimate talent on this defense than there has been for a while, but there still are some real that, that interior. If your interior defensive line is shit. And this is why forget all the trades. If cam young, I know how crazy it sounds. If cam young is good. It is a huge unlock for this team. I'm not saying he's going to be because we don't know. But that would be huge at this point. I think that that's one of the biggest questions going into camp. Look how how hurt Evan is by this. It's just... Uh, it's, <gasps> he just <yeah>. can't do it. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on our conversations over the past like eight months. And I just remember leaving last year the number one thing we all universally unanimously mm-hmm. on was we have to get better in the interior defensive trenches. And we are one, we are less than 24 hours. We're 12, 15 hours away, 18 hours away from training camp start for the 2023 season. And we cannot reliably comfortably confidently say we have gotten better there. I can't do it. And that's bad. I agree. It's really bad. So. And folks in chat saying Chase Young, he does not play interior defensive line. I, I don't, I don't like saying that. I don't like feeling that way. But I, I'm just, uh, it, it could be really bad. Yeah, but Evan, just keep this in mind too. We have no idea what we got in those kids, right? And just remember, right. And so that that is something that that's the whole purpose of training camp. And then the <sighs> purpose for them is to, you know, for for the front office and the coaches to evaluate them. And then go after someone to fix it. So maybe they really think Hall's going to be it. Maybe they really think, you know, Mike Morris is going to say, you know, whatever it may be, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, nope, he's not it. We have to go get the big guy. And so I think that that panicking just because we're at the beginning of training camp is probably not a logical thing to do just because you have no idea. We always say everything looks shiny on paper and then it kind of falls apart. But right now, the paper is not so shiny, but it could get much better. I think it really could get better. And All that's right. not me being a Pollyanna. That's no, no. just me trying to look at training camp as truly what it's for is complete and total evaluation. Well, you got your boy, Mark, Mike Morris, who I know you're very excited about. I there. am very excited. We'll find out about that. I, I want to switch gears for a second. And again, anyone needs to drop can, but, uh, are Why we do all I feel like that's always a hint at me? Well, because, dude, you are the Houdini of this podcast. Like, I turn around me? all of a sudden, and you're just gone. It's 9.33 p.m., and I'm like seven cocktails in, and Evan Hill's still here. Okay. I love it, dude. This is amazing. This is a, this is like bonus, bonus Evan time. All right, so I assume we are all expecting that Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks are going to be PUP guys tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. like it would be – I would say it wouldn't be a shock, but it would be pretty close to a shock if either one of them weren't on the PUP. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then the question becomes when Pete gets asked in his first presser about them. And do you think that there is going to be any kind of positive? Do you think we're going to get positive Pete about either one of them? Like when they're asked, do you think these guys can be ready for the season? Do you think this is going to go into the season? Or do you think we're going to get uh, 
more conservative Pete. Like, hey, I don't think like I, I'm wondering basically, do you th- think either Jordan Brooks or Jamal Adams were gonna get any reason to feel positive about them starting tomorrow? Pete's going to keep his lips zipped. Are you kidding? If if they are ready to play week one, we won't know it until the night before the game. Like seriously, he's going to keep that so quiet, especially about Jamal. But he has been very positive about Jamal. I, I haven't heard as much about Brooks, but positive about Jamal in his like training camp pressers. But I think he's going to be like, mm, typical Pete. I think uh, just to jump in here, I think he's going to be very dismissive around any Jordan Brooks sort of related mm-hmm. commentary. Um, the difference between Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks is Jamal Adams uh, got his bag and he's in the middle of a contract. Jordan Brooks is uh, a pending free agent, you know, following this year and has not gotten a bag. And if I'm Jordan Brooks, I want to, my number one priority is getting fully healthy and then showing something on the field that I still have it. It's, it's really not, giving the Seahawks a full year, (laughs) to be quite honest, it's rehabilitating my body. And I think he's going to be very, so I think, I think Pete's just going to be, um, I'll, I'll, let me put it this way. My expectation for Jordan Brooks this year is like bare minimum. I don't expect him to be a contributor this year. Jeff. Uh, I think that's a really good point by Evan. I didn't even think about the contract and they got to be careful what they say because it could be used it's one of the weaker position groups in terms of like long-term building and Brooks is in there. Probably his agent this year is really important for that. My initial instinct was, I think they will be more positive on him. The reports on him have been pretty good. He seems to be ahead of schedule. I just think Jamal is such a hard road back and that injury is so nasty. So I think they'll be pretty dismissive about Jamal. I've heard the way John's talked about him on some of the shows. They've never really given him that optimistic. They're always given the caveats with him. So I'd say Brooks potentially they could be a little more optimistic on. I am curious, like has a uh, Tariq Woolen recovered from that? Yes. That uh, what's going on with Kobe Bryant? He, he, he was out most of the off season program with an injury. So will we see that surprise? And Abe Lucas. Guy? Abe yeah. Abe Lucas is a big one. His shoulder. Should... Yeah. All right, I got one more thing, and then I'll let you guys go. I'm going to try to share my screen. You guys tell me if this works. We'll find out if this works or not. Um, So, uh, shoot, let's do entire screen, screen two. Okay. Okay, I think it's working. Where you guys are only seeing partials, you're not seeing names. Yes, you're only seeing stats. Yeah. Can you you read them, or do I need to make them bigger? I can see. Okay. These are the stats for 49ers quarterbacks last year. Okay. You got one guy that's played 11 games, one guy played nine. Who do you think's who when you look at these stats? Rock Purdy up top. You think Purdy's at top? Jeff? I think Jimmy might be the top. I think Jimmy might be the top guy. Jimmy was actually playing well last year. Well, you Do know you what? notice how similar these numbers are? Yeah. This is a big difference. Like one guy was throwing for 70 more yards per game. Pretty similar touchdown to interception ratio. One guy got sacked a lot more. That's why I think Jimmy might be the top guy. 
You're right. So I I pulled this up because here's my thing. I uh I have this picture of Brock Purdy playing pretty perfect football last year. Like I had a very high hold him in very high regard in terms of the level of play he was able to achieve. And I do wonder if I've got a, I do have this thing with the 49ers in particular, this whole like decade where I like, I just think that they're so good. And I'm like, Oh shit. Even the year that the Seahawks were 2013, I thought the Seahawks were the better team, but that, that 49ers team, scared the shit out of me like they were just tough and i wonder if i have talked up brock purdy more than he really is like is he just jimmy garoppolo that doesn't but i mean jimmy garoppolo didn't even throw as many interceptions last year like i just think of brock purdy as like a dink and dunk like not gonna take risky throws type of quarterback you know he's not gonna win you he's jimmy garoppolo but at 23 years old, from my perspective, Jeff, do you do you really have a different opinion on that, or are you in line with that? I think that they're pretty close. Jimmy had the back-breaking interception thing. Like anytime you were start to believe in that guy, he would throw like the worst interception imaginable. Brock is hard to sell. Like he really wasn't pressured and like he wasn't tested. And the one game, like I was, the Philadelphia game was the game we were supposed to learn a lot about him, and he basically breaks his elbow the first play of the game. So. Things are really he, he does that he did have more balls and like he was a little had some risk that I wasn't like I didn't expect him, but things were just so easy for him last year. It was what Grant said. Like it's so hard to judge. He had so many wide open throws last year, especially once they put McCaffrey in there. It's hard to tell. Like you learn about quarterbacks when they're under pressure. And we really didn't see it. Well, and to that point, against Dallas in the second game in the playoffs. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible, but no touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, pretty bad, you know, 87 rating. So, I mean, the reason I like wonder why we'd spend time on this. I think these are like, there's a few specific players and positions that are going to determine the outcome of this division. Mm-hmm. And that is one of them. And, and if Brock Purdy, I, I initially thought Brock Purdy was like a Jimmy Garoppolo he, I, I gained a lot more respect for him. I watched some of the throws he made in certain situations and third downs backed up in his, you know, his own end zone and making completions. I thought he was pretty creative. I think he was better than Jimmy. If I'm wrong and he's just like a game manager guy and he's not special, this division's totally different because that 49ers offensive line did get weaker, especially on the right tackle, like massive, massive change there. And if he's not a game, he's not a game changing quarterback. Then all of a sudden you got a weaker offensive line with a quarterback that is coming off an injury and maybe is just okay. And then it could turn into a quarterback controversy. And then you got Trey Lance, who's a totally different type of quarter. So like, I think things could get weird there. If he's really good, good luck to us. Yeah, we're fucked. Uh, yeah. All right. We've been at it for almost two hours. Evan, you look like you had a thought in your head, and I, I will not break until I hear what that was. 
honest to God, I just have had like a forecasting vision of my in my brain of of uh, Grant joining one of our post game shows post the 49ers post the 49ers matchup. I was just envisioning him screaming at me. To be quite honest with you. That was fun. And it was fun that I was, I, I'm so glad you're able to join because uh, the two of you on together is, uh, I, I wasn't sure that both of you could exist in the same place. Cause I thought you might be the same person. I like Grant. Like I actually yeah. really do. Like, like I'm, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. Like I think, he, yeah. I think he's, uh, he's obviously funny and he's obviously a little bit of a contrarian, but um, he's, he's very, He's non-discriminatory. Like when he comes, when it comes to like who he picks on, he's like, there's nobody that's like going to get a free pass when it comes to who he, you know, who he covers and who he evaluates. And he pokes the bear. You know what? He does not give a fuck. He does not have a filter. And I'll just say this. There's a big difference because, you know, we're talking heads, you know, we have podcasts and that's great and that's awesome. But that guy's like a credentialed media reporter. Right. And it's, it's just a little, it's a little different. I think. I don't know anybody else in the NFL that talks like that about the head coach, front office, the players, and then goes and sits and talks in front of them the next day. That's wild. His like, balls are so big. <laughs> They're so big. I there's just no way that would happen in Seattle. I think about Joe fan who also covered, you know, did some work for, for the 49ers and the Seahawks now is a kick-ass realtor, by the way. Um, Joe would ask mildly challenging questions. And like people thought he was like the biggest dick. I mean, Jamal Adams, Mr. Joe, you know, he wouldn't even register relative to Grant in the type of questions he asks. Yeah. So yeah, Grant's in a league of his own, and I don't know how he's managed to do that. Yeah, I think it's just different, like the way the Niners are and the way it's covered, and like he's got like more of the New York media kind of vibe. Like, can, can we talk about that for a second? Is yeah. the Seattle is the Seattle media landscape soft? So soft. Oh, yeah. Is this the impression I get? And I couldn't tell if it was just me. From like a sports perspective, just sports. Like the, it feels very like placating and very like softballish. A lot of that has to do with the PR teams too. Like if, if a PR team is like really in control, I know some of the teams in Toronto have become like that, where you, if you ask one of the wrong questions, they will not call for you or they will not grant you access to certain players. And so all of your questions become framed a little differently. If you look like New York and Seattle is, are just so different in how sports are covered. And like, even when the Seahawks are doing like, like Joe was like the first one to question Pete on like timeouts. <laughs> how bad he's been on his timeouts and challenges for years. Don't even cross that up. Let me just ask this, Brian, are, how are the Mariners? Because I know you're a big Mariners fan. Like, are, like, no, but seriously, because I have no idea. Like when it comes oh, to Oh, with the media. Yeah. Very different. Very different because the, the Mariners have been bad for so long. They've been much more welcoming of alternative media coverage. So bloggers and uh, podcasters and stuff like that. There's way more uh, integration. And also, 
I think some of it also has to do with how much analytics has been part of the baseball landscape. And so a lot of the analytics folks came from outside baseball and were often bloggers and stuff like that. So um, it is a very different vibe there. And in fact, Mariners situation in particular is kind of odd in that a lot of the folks that are kind of bloggers that cover the Mariners are super defend. It's almost the opposite of Grant. Like they're so in bed with like ownership and front office that they spend a lot of time defending them. And it's very different than like our dynamic. Right. So it's, it, to me, it's a fascinating case study in if you let people in and you actually treat them with some respect and give them access, a lot of people are super appreciative and then they don't want to lose it. So they will cover you well. But when you're, when you don't, you know, it's a kind of an antagonistic relationship. I think the Seattle Seahawks media by and large, I think they just check, they, they, they check in and they check out. They, they like, what are the, what are the, what are the quotes? What did they say? What could possibly happen? And then they move on. And there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of pushback. There's not a lot of really asking hard questions. There's not a, like Mike Sando was, groundbreaking because he actually did analysis and not just reporting yeah and that's what i liked about joe like a lot mm -hmm. of times you read like training camp observations and it's basically like a summary of what pete said in the press conference and just joe would actually tell you things he saw at practice and what it meant and you like look around some of the writers on some teams now and it's like i can read pete's quotes on twitter that's not like, I don't need you summarizing that. That's not, that's not good content. And you're right. Like, who's the guy? Like, Mike Duger is starting to stand out. He's putting really creative content. I think he's, like, one of the emerging guys in that media. 100%. I can't think of too many others that are coming up with the – who are asking the hard questions, who are coming up with different stories, who are breaking stories. Bob is, Bob is really good at, like, classic old-school reporting. Bob Condota is really good. But, like, a lot of the new journalism, like – I don't, you see it in different markets and it's, it's cool to see that like people like Grant can exist in these markets and you see Stephen A. Smith and you see Skip Bayless and sadly that's kind of where the media has gone. So someone like Grant has really can kind of fit into that world because he can go on a rant and he can be competent and make sense. And that's a hard thing to do. Brian, do you have anything to say? Not what you want me to say. I, I, I will just, I will mention <laughs> There is someone in chat talking about a reporter. I'm not going to talk about that person by name, but uh, man, there, there, are, there are people that are so clearly in the pocket of the Seahawks PR staff and they just, and they honestly not. So I'll, I'll name some names. So like Bob Condotta is a, to me, a totally quality reporter. Yeah. He does his job. He reports accurate information. You can trust what Bob reports. He does not do a lot of interpretation. Like there's a little bit, but he mostly just shares. So like you can pretty much trust Bob's feed. Curtis Crabtree, similarly, like you're going to get the facts and there's not a lot of BS. You don't have to like, so I respect like, just do your job. And like, that's fine. There are other guys that have so much bravado about the fact that they know what's really going on because they've got it in with the team. And then they're freaking wrong they don't know what's going on and they're so arrogant about it 
And I'm not going to name names there, but like those people, I really don't have a lot of respect for them. And I don't respect how they do their jobs. So like, and then there's, then there's kind of like the, the David Lombardi's uh, of the world that we have a few, which are fanboys who like show up as reporters and, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that either. He's he might be my least favorite person on Twitter. Whoa. Uh, he is just he's basically a PR man for the 49ers operating as a reporter. Mm. And he, the kind of I, I just don't have time for these people who act like they invented football and every like thing they put out. Like he is and you can you can tell some of the things we're alluding, maybe from Grant that some of the things I've heard he takes himself super seriously and you can tell with his tweets. So I think that guy is like the worst of what the media has become. Is there a relationship between how many selfies you post and your quality as a, as a reporter or just in your Twitter account overall? It's certainly a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Evan, I've seen a couple selfies from you, man. Hey man, I'm losing weight, bro. Okay. I know. It's yeah, you're the D- are you going to be like Debo instead of sending us shirtless pics? I'll send you. You know, I'm going to start an OnlyFans. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> if I start sending shirtless pics, you guys are going to block my number. That's I, don't think I've <laughs> I don't think I've done that. I don't think I, anyone wants to see that. Oh, I see someone asking about thoughts. I meant to ask Grant about Tim Kawakami. Oh, man. He that was a miss. He did, he did block oh, you guys, right? He blocked me for asking like a legitimate, like just like a totally <laughs> friendly question or. No, no, you made a joke. Oh, it was like you a made, light joke, right? You made a joke about like the Seahawks like healing over before the playoff game. And he's like, I'm not talking to any bloggers ever again. And I'm like, I think you missed his joke. And then he blocked me. <laughs> There's uh, some other reporter that hates you, Brian. It's that national one, NFL Network. Oh, that is Mike. No, not Mike Lombardi. It's it is uh, Mike Silver. Mike Silver. Mike Silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's blocked me. He is full of it too. Uh, I will say someone mentioned Brady Henderson. I can't believe I forgot Brady. Brady's. Yeah, I think Brady's gold standard to me. Yeah. In, 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 among Seahawks coverage, like he has the perfect balance of you can trust what he's written because he he does check his sources and he does some analysis beyond. I would love him to be a little bit, have a little bit more there and have a little bit more point of view. Like he's not quite to a Sando or a, even a Joe fan kind of level. Yeah. Although he's good friends with Joe. So he'd find that funny, but um, I really do like Brady. I'm a Shilkopedia man. Uh, he is, he was the star. He's kind of gone into like the podcasting world. I don't think that's his strength. Shill as a writer was, I think the best, one of the best in the whole country. It, I think one of the craziest things I see, I, I still, we've talked about this before. Mina Kimes, I know everyone thinks they're just kissing ass. I mean, obviously, Mina's a friend of the show. I think Mina is maybe the best sports reporter out there for the NFL. Like what she brings in terms of personality, expertise, curiosity, uh, like understanding of like analytics and the game and the players. Um, you know, inquisitive about all sorts of stuff. The difference between like how good she is and how many people think she's not good is crazy to me. Like, like that's, that's maybe the biggest gap to me 
overall in media on the web. But do you think that's because of her information or do you think people misjudge her based on unfortunately what she, she looks like? And, no, and- it's absolutely because she, and I think primarily because she's a woman. Um, there might be other pieces to it, but like, I think it's almost exclusively because of that. But she, I see people all the time in her mentions, just like, nobody cares what you say. Why? Like, it's crazy. It's like, no one does that for Greg Bell or, you know, so any of the other. So I don't know. I, 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 and congrats to her, by the way. I'm, I'm expecting her first, man. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. She's so smart and she's so talented, but it was funny to see. She really set Grant off the other day when she called Kyle Shannon the second best coach in the league and Grant went, Grant went wild. It was what caught me. <laughs> That's why I'm like, yeah, I kind of like this guy. I say Grant for years. And Did he sway you at all, Evan, on your, your coaching take? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, no, I, I, I think he gave – there was one thing he said that – I'm trying to f- think about how to phrase this um, correctly. He gave a lot of, like, preferential treatment to Pete because he said he was, like, older and because he has a ton of experience. And I know Kyle Shanahan's young, but, like, I, I don't know. I just he – didn't, he didn't move me much. He really didn't. And, and people it, don't know – Evan is one of the most ageist people I know. Not at all. 100%. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I am non-discriminatory, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless you hate In and Out, but um, no, I, I think it's a little bit of like you don't realize what you have until you don't have it. And to be quite honest with you, like I understand, I have that blind sight when it comes to Pete Carroll too. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. We'll see how this year unfolds. Yeah, it's they're just very different styles of coaches. Pete is more of like Pete gets this defensive background label, and I understand that, but that's not what he is as head coach. And in fact, at USC, when he had more control over personnel, they were way better on offense than they were on defense. Which this whole defensive mastermind bit Evans always pushing. That's not really been Pete, other than the Legion of Boom, which is probably more about lucking into like the greatest defense. And obviously drafting, he was a big part of that. But Pete is more of like the all-encompassing motivator, psychologist, the way he maximizes talent, brings people confidence. Kyle is pure the offensive play caller. I think that's a really fair point. I think where where maybe Evan is evaluating is the coaching on the field. And I think that like Kyle Shanahan is not a CEO. No. Pete's a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Pete's like the John Harbaugh, Tomlin. Though they all have similar styles. They're consistent. They win pretty year over year. Andy Reid is kind of the best of both worlds and why he's probably become the best coach in the NFL. Shan wins with scheme. His scheme is so good. Let me just say one thing. Like, shitting on Kyle Shanahan for not winning Super Bowls. Yeah, I get it. He has struggles finishing the job. A motherfucker's been to two Super Bowls, like in recent years. Does that not count for something? Well, one is that coach. You're right. You're right. Um, for some but, reason, I was thinking. No, no, no. But do you give it? Yeah, he's 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 the brightest. Like McVeigh, all these guys came from Kyle Shanahan. Like he's like like, that's, like winning Super Bowls is hard. I know I'm not breaking any, you know, breaking news there, but like that counts for something, though, doesn't it? 
Honestly, though, no. Like it, 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 it counts for something. If the bar is something, yes, it counts for something. But the the truth is, like deep were, playoff run after deep playoff run. Yes, he has struggles finishing the job, but he's still they're still contending every year. Do the Bills do the Bills get credit for losing four Super Bowls in a row? Like that was as impressive of a feat as like as winning one, but but it'll never go down in history because sure. really it's a results based business. And so either you're do either you're winning or you're you're really not. And if you're not, you can be losing the Super Bowl. But really, you're just you're losing. You're one of 31 teams that didn't win the Super Bowl. Every. Let me let me let me put it this way. Maybe I have a more optimistic view than you guys. I think Kyle Shanahan's bound for one. I really do. Like I think I sure. think I, I think he's going to get one in the next several years. Like this conversation is temporary to me. Like they're contending enough, frequently enough. They have good enough rosters. They're producing enough. He's going to get one one of these years. So I think if he doesn't get one this year, I think you're I think you're wrong. Yeah, this is sort of the window. Once Bosa gets thirty million dollars a year. I think their cap table is going to flip upside down. And this is really their window. But I'm with you. I, I have a really high opinion of Kyle Shanahan, much higher than Grant does. He was always the guy when you guys were all like, McVay's the greatest. I was always the one saying, I think Shanahan's the guy. Yeah. But the thing with – he has to finish the job, and that's been – the weird thing about him is he, he shrivels up. He punts on fourth and one inside the 50. He does all the stuff that we complain about Pete and – because his he schematically is the best in the sport by far. Like no team creates more he open throws. I think there's a legit. I think there's legit criticism of Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. Yeah, I think when it comes down to going like best versus best, I don't think he's proven that he. I'm talking even about best coaches versus best coaches. I don't think he's been his best in those situations. Yo, can I can I can I assault a comment here in the chat that I'm seeing that pissed me off? Divine comedy, go fuck yourself. You have a Hall of Fame football coach. Have high expectations for your football teams, man. Seriously, like, you believe your coach is that good? I do too, by the way. Like, obviously, obviously, I criticize Pete Carroll for a ton of things, but man, this is this is a this is a top premium franchise that we ha- we have the privilege of rooting for. And uh, we should hold them to high expectations. So it's, fuck this loser mentality bullshit. I'm glad, Evan, you've come around to the Super Bowl's hard after all your Russell Wilson uh, takes over the years that one Super Bowl wasn't good enough and he should have been winning three or four. I'm, my, I'm glad you come around on that. That's my, what we've been arguing for years. I'm going to be 100% honest with, honest with you guys. Like my approach um, as a fan is very different psychologically uh, when I feel like we don't have, um, what's the right word? Like a ticking, like a ticking time bomb on a franchise quarterback that we have to maximize. To me, that's where my pressure always came from, guys. I'm being 100% honest and truthful with you. It was the pressure of knowing we have a franchise quarterback. We know what his prime window looks like. It's one of the greatest competitive advantages in sports. We have to maximize that window. When we don't have that, it's like, Let's See, that, people's days. I'm down. <laughs> the thing is, Evan, is you and I, the daylight between you and I was almost non-existent during that period because I actually did. It wasn't just to me that we had a franchise quarterback. It was that he was on his rookie deal and that we had the best defense, not only in the NFL, but yeah. maybe in the era. 
and that that was only going to last for so long. And I think that that was a chance to not just win Super Bowls, which is awesome and obviously great, but to actually be a dynasty, like to win three of four, to be a 90s Cowboys. Like, I think that was the that was a not just a potential, but I think that should have been what happened in, in that time. Yeah, and they made back to back Super Bowls and were on the one yard line to potentially win back to back Super Bowls, which nobody does. And, and so, like, every, history could have been so different, right? And, and and this isn't even crying over spilt milk. It's just, like, I do think that that team was that good. And then as soon as that window broke apart, really after 2015, that's where you and I saw things differently. I, I did not feel like, oh, we have this franchise quarterback. We got to win. I felt like the team was never good enough yeah. to really be a contender at that point. And I'll just say one other thing on the 2015 year. I think we were talking about this on Twitter like a month ago. If they get past the Panthers, we all forget about that game that they were down like 31 to zero, came back, scored 28 <laughs> points in the second half, lost by think I think three points. I think it was 31 28 or something like that. If they get past that Panthers team, they win the Super Bowl that year. Seriously, uh, I agree. They beat I that agree. Broncos they team. They beat that Broncos team. They they and the fun they played Arizona like that who was in the NFC Championship like I think it was the week eighteen or week seventeen they whooped them yeah they beat them like thirty eight to three yep. and I think they would have smoked Denver Peyton Manning couldn't throw a football in that game I'm glad we got one I, Super Bowl uh, out of that era um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it does feel like what could have been unfortunately oh, yeah. all right last 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 question Eve. Eve of training camp, Eve, you know, night before training camp starts. Is this going to be a fun season? Is this is this a season you're looking forward to? Like, tell me, what are like, what is your feeling heading into the start of this story? Jeff, I'll start with you. I'm going to say yes. Um, as much as the defensive line thing does hang over, it's almost become my focus that like. It doesn't really matter because I don't think I don't think the defense is there yet. So my whole year is about. I th- I said this before on the last show. I think that they're a year away from being a contender. I think they need to fill that spot. So I think this year to me is about the offense becoming a Super Bowl ceiling. And I don't I don't see it in the defense yet. The secondary is there. The front seven still to me is far too low. So to me, a lot of my like big picture evaluation is purely about what this offense can be. And as Grant was saying, if we were saying they have every position other than really center and maybe right guard kind of figured out like this receiver thing is something we have not seen. Their tight ends are good. Their running backs are deep. Their tackles are going, should take a jump this year. To me, that's my personal whole view of what the season is. Cause I just don't think the defense is there. And if they are that top five level offense, I think that's going to be really fun. Even if the front seven sucks like they had last year. I think just putting Jackson Smith and Jigba into this offense and the second running back, and if Geno does maintain or take that step forward, I think that's going to be awesome. I'm going to be excited to watch them every week. If Geno takes a step back and the defense sucks, yeah, I can see this going under. But again, to me right now, my whole evaluation with this defensive line is it doesn't matter. I'm only focused on if that offense can get to that Super Bowl level quality this year. Yeah, so I'll make a little bit of a prediction here. I think um, the defensive front seven is obviously going to struggle to a to a mightily degree. That's nothing nothing new. Uh, we've been talking about that a lot. Uh, I think that, but I think the offense is going to be like a top two scoring offense in the NFL. Like I think it could be Chiefs, 
And I think it could be Seahawks at number two. And I think because of that, I think their offense is going to be so good that they make a deep playoff run because of it and that they're a dark horse NFC candidate. And I, and I really just gut instinct. I think they make it to the NFC championship game this year and they'll lose at the end. They'll, they'll lose a heartbreaker um, because they're not there defensively yet. They're I think a year, two years away, but this offense has the pieces to be, you know, like if they're out, if, the, if this offense is outside of like the top five of offensive offenses this year, I'll consider that like below meeting expectations relative to the talent they have because they're, they're stacked on the offensive line. That left side is entirely built. You know, both tackle spots are absolutely set. Their receiver, their receivers, you know, probably one of the best groups in the NFL, top three, maybe better Uh, running backs. One of the best groups in the NFL, like tight end groups, pretty damn solid. One of the best groups they've ever had. Like, like Geno Smith, like what the fuck more can you ask for? So I know you didn't ask for that, Brian, but I, I think they're a dark horse candidate this year. I think they make a run, uh, and I think they lose in, in the NFC Championship game. I love it. I mean, I'm looking forward to this season like I haven't in a while. And what I'm most looking forward to is I still think I think I think people don't fully believe in Gino, and I'm hoping that he is going to like prove like put to rest any questions about what kind of quarterback he is i think that'll just be an amazing story to continue watching i think it was the best story in sports last year um, it was definitely the best story in the nfl from my perspective super unique and i'd love to see him just continue down that path i agree with you both biggest story is about the offense and whether that offense can be dominant like it would just be fun to have a dominant part of the team again it was not dominant last year it was good but it wasn't dominant um, and then I agree with on the defensive weaknesses, but there is a chance that this defense can also be fun. I think this defense can be a good pressure defense. I think they can create pressure on the quarterback and I think that they can cover well. And I think that that could turn into a lot of turnovers. And so if that happens, even if you're getting gashed on the ground, which I'm just going to hate regardless, it can be fun, man. Like the the quick turn, like if you get a defense that is creating turnovers, sticky in coverage, getting some sacks, hitting the shit out of some quarterbacks, especially if it's the 49ers quarterbacks, and then you turn it over to an offense that's lethal. That would be fun, man. I would I would enjoy cheering for that team. If you look at you wanted to say something. Oh, I was gonna say, like Witherspoon is really fits into what you were just saying. And yeah. Obviously, don't know how he transitions, but they didn't just take him because he's a good cover corner, like some of the other guys that have been taking that high. If you watch his highlights, and I remember I was not as I remember texting a couple of you guys before the draft saying he's the most fun. He's just like a jitterbug of energy, but he's a tackling machine. Like his first highlight when he got drafted was him just blowing up a play. So it's just everyone says, okay, they're gonna have these secondary guys, but that cornerback, if Witherspoon hits at the level he played in college he was the most fun player on the field. So they're going to have some liabilities for sure. But just adding a guy like that with Tariq Woolen on the other side, isn't just like a good trip. It's just not just like a traditional cover corner. Witherspoon makes plays that like just blow, like put so much. And he has got some Earl Thomas to him. Well, him, I think Julian Love we've talked about has tons of, of ability and upside. 
Trey Brown's a guy that was at one point a, a bunch of upside and now is barely talked about. Kobe Bryant, who was the starter for all the games at nickel, is barely talked about. Jamal Adams, who's no none of us are expecting to even necessarily be a factor, was once the, the marquee name on the defense, and he could come back. Jordan Brooks, we're not counting on, but like so there's a lot of I think it's cool that there's upside and, and that there's reason to be positive. If they make a move to solidify that interior defensive line, watch the fuck out, man. This could James, like expectations will skyrocket. Without question. And when have they made those moves? During training camp. That's when those moves have been made all every year. Somebody hit Dre up over DM and be like, why did the Seahawks ask you to restructure? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. somebody just be like, what they say in the conversation. I am. It's going to be fascinating to see. All right, boys, we are going to end it there. Uh, that is Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on X. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger. It's been fun to be back. For folks that uh, were in Slack and wanted to ask questions, apologies. We, we didn't think we we're going to have time this week with Grant as guest. want to thank Grant Cohen for coming on, Dana O'Gorman, who had to drop a little early, and then uh, everybody. Thank you. Join at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Click like if you haven't already and click subscribe. We will see you all next week. We may even see you all later this week, depending on what news drops. Have a wonderful rest of your night. Take care. Go Hawks.